everyone. It's Wade from Inverse Atasky and 1632 Atari Podcast. You know, sometimes I need a break from all things Atari. So when I'm not shortcutting podcast research, flubbing a podcast recording, or mangling a podcast production, or playing an Atari game, I take my mind off Atari and listen to the SNES podcast. Cut! He said cut! How was that? Good. You are not too far off in regards to bungling a podcast from start to finish. NES broadcast with your hosts Soul Blazer and George. Hello, everybody. Welcome to Super NES Podcast, episode number seventy-six, coming at you for your listening pleasure. Uh, I am Greg. He is George. That's me. <laughs> Wanted to make sure that I get you in here nice and early here, George. But, uh, yeah, you know, uh, <laughs> usually the person who usually does the podcast should get introduced as uh, secondary. Yeah. <laughs> um, yep, so we, so so besides the two of us, we're also once again uh, very honored to be joined by Special Coast tonight. Uh, as I said before, we're having a whole bunch of uh, guest episodes coming up here, and they uh, coming back to the podcast after, uh, like, after, like, a... Uh, Quite a while, I think. Been over a year, I think, since he was last on the podcast. Uh, we're very pleased to welcome back uh, Nick Baldrich. Oh, the honor's all mine, gents. Uh, how's it going tonight, Nick? Oh, it's going very well, thank right. you. How, how about you? Doing all right. Um, just trying to stay cool. It's definitely summer's definitely summer's definitely coming northeast, like with engines finally. So. Oh man. <laughs> Um, That's it's been here in the south for a while. Yeah, <laughs> I've yes. heard. I, yes. <laughs> um, so last time he was on the podcast, he talked about a very uh, obscure, uh, obscure platformer that used to a, pl- a platform that used to uh, used to rent when he was younger. Uh, so obscure, I can't recommend. Uh, so obscure, I can't. So, so obscure, and I can't say generic name. Like I, a name, I can't recall the name of it. <laughs> Incantation. Incantation, yes. But they, um, um, at the time, I did not know that Nick was such a big pinball fanatic that he is. So, uh, so in hindsight, so, so in hindsight, I was like, "Well, stupid! It's, it's stupid! We should have had him on talking about pinball game." So, uh, we were, so, so we were, so we were correcting, correcting that oversight uh, uh, by this episode. We're talking about one of the one of the few pinball games to do pinball games to like to report the Super NES. Uh, pinball Dreams, uh, which is a port of a uh, port of pinball game, originally came out for the Amiga in 1992, 
that was developed, uh, the, NES, the Super NES version was developed by Spidersoft and published by Game Tech and Super NES in um, 1994. So, um, so as Awakening started here, um, uh, I only had very brief exposure with this game as a kid, seeing the uh, seeing the game in a, uh, I seen the game at a friend's house, like at Amiga, uh, shortly after it came out. Uh, George, you didn't have experience with this game previously for this podcast, right? Nope. Okay. And Nick, and Nick, you were saying you were saying off mic that the only experience experience you had you had this game like it was a Game Boy version. That's correct. So, yep. um, so yeah, this is kind of like a first look at Super NES version of the game, like for all three of us. But uh, yeah, so it's actually pretty interesting. Um, kind of a segue question, Nick. Uh, I'm going to put you on the spot here like, for a moment. Um, but uh, <laughs> <laughs> um, uh, I know I I mean, um, is anybody who, who knows who listens to your podcast or sees your work, sees your work, that you're a huge pinball fan. Um, I enjoy pinball. Uh, it's hard to um, it's hard to find uh, a physical table anymore these days, but I do play it. I play it every chance I get. Few every chance I get. I get. I get. And I do do a lot of a, um, a virtual, like a virtual, a virtual pin, pinball playing. I had the Williams the Williams collection and the, the, the Microsoft collection and like some other stuff. But uh, um, I talked to some other retro retro video gaming fans who who just don't get pinball for one reason or another. Uh, they, I mean, you know, they tried to play it. It doesn't appeal to them. Uh, they just can't get the appeal of it. Um, mm-hmm. What would you say to somebody like that who has tried to like try the game and just can't just can't get into it? Do you think the actual table itself makes a big difference, or is there certain? Do you think that certain people just don't just don't quote unquote get uh, you know what the appeal of pinball is? Well. You know, I can really only speak to, to my personal experience um, with that because, <clears throat> you know, I, I came up in the age where video games were starting to become more common than pinball. Um, pinball machines had started falling into disrepair, you know, towards the late 80s. Um, there were still new ones, you know, that were being put out, but uh, operators weren't keeping up with the maintenance as well as they had used to because they weren't earning as much money as the video games. Uh, which required much less maintenance. And then uh, there was a small uh, resurgence in the 90s, and um, but the people who had kind of gotten used to video games really didn't cross over very much. Um, so I uh, got into it because both of my parents were actually into pinball and um, in, in the early 80s and before. Uh, and so I always had a soft spot for it. But the thing that really sets pinball apart from video games is the uh, the saying that Harry Williams coined, uh, the ball is wild. Uh, so in a video game, let's say Pac-Man, you, know, you have set patterns that you can follow to achieve victory. Um, with a pinball machine, there are certain objectives that you need to complete, but you have physics that you're fighting in gravity. Um, and those things are not easily overcome necessarily, uh, depending on your skill level. So the other thing that sets pinball apart is the fact that you can win free games. And uh, depending on the area that you came up in, uh, of course, because uh, actually free games were illegal in a few states. Um, and in those instances, you would only receive extra balls up to 10 in a stack. But 
uh, replays allowed me as a child to extend my quarter. You know, you put a quarter in a video game, you play your three lives, and you're done. Maybe you get an extra life. Um, with pinball, you may get an extra ball, but you may also get an entirely separate free game. Um, and that was really powerful for me as a cheap kid. <laughs> so, um, but the so odds of being able to get that free game were very, very, very small. <laughs> I think well, I kind of one-handed number of times I was able to actually do pull that off. Yeah, and that's where that's where the skill comes in. So you know, a lot of people, especially that I knew, you know, friends um, who were more into video, I would encourage them to try pinball. Say, look at this great game. You know, uh, you hit this thing, and this other thing happens, and it's really cool. Um, but they weren't skilled enough to get a free game. They didn't really get what was going on. They might not have been skilled enough to make the cool thing happen. Uh, you know. One of the early games, the, the first game that I remember playing was a game called Pinbot. Ah, uh, yeah, great game. It is a great game, and there was an NES port. But um, Yeah, most of my experience that, is the NES version of the game, and still like very good. Huh? In that game, you, you hit this bank of targets over and over again, and eventually it goes down, and you can lock balls in this robot's eyes, and then he says, now I see you, in this <laughs> robotic voice. And the balls shoot out, and the music changes and everything's, you know, really exciting. Most people, you know, coming from the video side, I would show them a game like that and say, just hit that thing over and over. And they would hit it a couple times and then drain, hit it a couple times, drain, hit it a couple times, drain, not seeing the cool thing, and thereby thinking that they had just wasted their quarter, you know? Um, so I, I feel like that's really the, the drawback, is that... Um, it's something that you have to practice. It's a skill. Um, it's like, uh, you know, the first time that anybody steps up to Defender, <laughs> you, you put a quarter in there, and you push some buttons, and then all of a sudden you're dead. <laughs> and, uh, you know, it really takes uh, concentration and uh, a willingness to learn in order to get better. And um, that sometimes, you know, you got to have the desire to do that. So that's kind of my feeling on it. Yeah, definitely. That's a good answer. Uh, and you just to add on quickly to something that you said. Uh, I definitely agree that you know you have to agree like the skill part. It's like um, you really don't realize 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 like you watch a great pinball player, you master a table, just how much just how much skill actually goes into that game. Because it's like um, just like. You know, uh, one thing that comes to mind for me is like you know uh, a, a great player, a great player. Uh, uh, friends tell me that the difference between a good player and a great pinball player uh, like is the flex like application, like using the nudge feature. A great player mm -hmm. could always could always figure out how to nudge the table at just the right time, it's the right enough force to be able to see the ball mm -hmm. like draining as opposed to like posing it too hard to cause the tilt. And whereas, yep. whereas an ordinary player wouldn't, an ordinary player they could never do that. They just like you know say, oh well, just like you know like you want know, their ball drain. Whereas like a great player can knows knows how hard and where to nudge the nudge the table at to be able to save the ball. Uh, and yeah, yeah, you get to go up the side just enough to be able to keep playing. Absolutely, or to be able to bounce it into an adjacent target or feature. Um, you know that that's been a critical part of pinball since the 30s. But, because pinball is a physical game, instead of, you know, a, a programmed 
you know, video game, uh, it's, it's a difficult skill to teach. You know, it's okay to move this cabinet a little bit, you know? Um, and the mechanism inside that tilt mechanism keeps you honest. <laughs> it keeps you from um, just really keeping the ball in play forever unless you are very skilled. So um, it's, it's just a, a quite a different thing uh, from, from a video game uh, as far as the physicality of it. And that's part of what I enjoy so much is uh, the mechanics. <clears throat> I yeah. think the thing is, uh, arcade games versus, like, pinball tables, is that mm-hmm. um, you do kind of gain that skill slowly over time with the whole bump in the table and everything. The yeah. thing is, with the games, is that it's quicker to get gratification than the playing the pinball. And that's yeah. why the video games are easier or um, more appealing to people. And that's the that's, whole thing, but it's a shame because pinball is awesome, but you need patience. I, I would agree with that assessment entirely. That's that's a good perspective, George. Thank you. <laughs> You're welcome. Uh, yeah, definitely. Um, um, yeah, so uh, thank you very much to both of you, like your insight, like into that. Um, uh, so like so like video game pinball games tend to fall into two camps. You either have the uh, you either have the, the uh, the virtual games, which are uh, with tables that try to replicate an actual pinball table down to the down to the last bit. Uh, for example, the Williams Collection, the Microsoft Collections, uh, etc. And then you also oh, have man. more video game versions, the versions which like more they 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 simulate a bit of a pinball table with awesome video game elements to it. Pinball Dreams definitely falls in that latter category. Um, well, I have the Williams Collection, and I think the Williams Collection. So Wayne's collection is very good. Um, yeah, I, I like it. Um, it's remarkable, remarkable rules down the table. In fact, um, <laughs> uh, in fact, the rules are so good that you know, um, uh, Nick, uh, like, do you know who like Scott Schreiber is? Uh, he's on Virtual Game Roundup and does some other podcast. Uh, he's also a big pinball fan. Yeah, yeah, I've, um, I've heard him on uh, Retro Gaming Roundup. Yeah. yeah, he did a bit once. Uh, uh, about a year ago, I wanted to say, was like, you know, uh, because he has several win- I mean, he has like several pinball tables. Uh, and so he was talking about one day how he was like checking out the Williams collection, like for his Wii. Uh, you know, like, uh, this is very. Uh, comparing the comparing the games on there, the tables on there, visited to with actual physical like physical examples, and he's like, he was playing this one game, and he's like, and he's like, hey, there's no light up here like in this area, like, you know what's going on here? So, uh, so you see that the the video game the video game wasn't naming the table correctly, uh, but later on he went down and looked at later on he went down and looked at physical physical table, and sure enough, there's light burned out there that he never knew about. So. Uh, <laughs> So, like the realism that they did trying to and trying to recreate those games as perfectly as possible, it really shows. I think mm-hmm. that I think the Williams collection is also on PS2. Yeah, yeah, it's on a bunch of systems. So that'd be an interesting thing to take a look at. Like it's on 360, but I have a 360, but I have a 360 version. So is but, it? Yeah, yeah. Hmm. Okay. So, and uh, PS3 as well. Right. Um, so, um, yeah. So uh, you know, I'm a big fan of the virtual play like, virtual. Through virtual collections, um, not so much so video game ones. But I think they, I think that they've been hit or miss over the years. Um, I would and, agree. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, and Pinball Dreams is definitely is definitely a great example. I think of I think of that kind of a kind of pinball game because I think it kind of 
without really spoiling anything too much, I think it kind of succeeds and fails uh, in various levels about trying to be like a good pinball game. But uh, um, a little bit of history. Uh, like I said, uh, this game originally came out with Amiga back in 1992. It was developed by a company called Digital Illusions. Uh, 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 CE, uh, aka DICE. Yes, that same DICE uh, that's gone on to make a whole bunch of like blockbuster games. Um, and, um, and was... Where are they from? Um, Digital Illusions CE DICE. Where are they from? I, I, I actually, I'm actually not sure. I believe they're American. Mm. They, they the, maybe, the dice t- dice today is not from well, the US. Maybe, well, it may be British. I'm actually not sure. I didn't look it up. <laughs> uh, sorry about that. Something's telling me they're Scandinavian, but that might be wrong. Let me let me check the source of all knowledge and real quick just to see if I can find Fact out. checking on the podcast. <laughs> uh, it's my fault because I asked this question. But yeah, it's something. I mean, I know. I don't think they are American. I think nope. they're from Europe or something. You're right, Swedish. Ah, huh. okay. And they're a Swedish also. company, so. But uh, yep, uh, yep. Dice is best known nowadays for the Battlefront, uh, the Battlefront series, uh, the Star Wars Battlefront games, like Mirror's Edge. So, but uh, this is one of their very first games. Actually, 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 this was their very first game. Nice night, too. So. So it's interesting. Yep. It's interesting. Yeah, I was just about to say it's interesting to see where this company has gone. So yeah, um, I don't know if you guys have any first-hand experience, like first-hand experience like with Amiga. Um, no, I wish I, um, I wish I did. Yeah, I didn't have one. I just had my since before as a kid. But you know, like I said, you know, I had a friend who had an Amiga, and I got to play a bunch of his, a bunch of his games. Uh, the Amiga was a great gaming system. Um, you know, even though like, even the Commodore really didn't advertise it per se for that. Um, mm-hmm. uh, Cinemaware really did some awesome Amiga-only games for that system for the, the system system for the other consoles and systems got wired down ports. Games like you know, classic games like Wings, um, uh, Defender of the Crown, um, uh, a Rocket Ranger, like some other games. So, uh, Pinball Dreams and other games, Kingdom Jumper games, very fondly thought fondly thought about today about the Amiga because. Uh, because it really, because it really took took great advantage of that system's uh, hardware, hardware, graphical, and sound capability. So uh, the game was popular enough to get ported to a bunch of systems. Uh, a small company called SpiderSoft uh, obtained the rights for the game to the Super NES, the Game Boy, and Game Gear. Uh, SpiderSoft was also a pretty new company at the time. They started off in 1990, um, uh, and they mostly did. And they started off doing like a whole bunch of a uh, Disney slash Lucasfilm uh, movie conversions, conversion games like Nina Jones, uh, Hook, Cliffhanger, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. But uh, starting so starting this game, they pretty much shifted entirely over, entirely over from doing like either pinball or card games for their, uh, like the rest of their life. So that's kind of curious. Um, I guess they so I guess they thought they found their calling with doing like pinball conversions because that's pretty much all they did after this point. And, huh. and their very last game in H96 was actually like a pinball game. So, before the company like went under. But, um... Uh, so yeah, they obtained the rights to do the... Uh, so they got the rights to put the game to the three systems. Uh, there was also like a DOS, uh, DOS version of this game also. Uh, that came out... That came out shortly thereafter. Um, and we'll talk about more modern versions... Modern versions of this game... Uh, of this game later on. Um, and, and this... 
Um, and this came directly out of a franchise. It was a whole bunch of other, like, pinball related games that came out afterwards. Uh, which again, we'll talk about here uh, later on, later on the podcast. Um, this game was published by Game Tech, which is a company that we've not talked yet about, uh, talk, talking about it this podcast. What a great name for a company. <laughs> well, we will be talking about them pretty soon because they feature pretty prominently like, in the up- upcoming episode. But uh, Game Tech is mostly known for doing the. Game Tech, Game Tech is most famous for doing. Uh, uh, famous for either doing the, the uh, game show conversions, uh, conversions uh, or for doing educational games. So the fact they publish this oh, game is kind of curious. But they. Uh, uh, <laughs> So uh, yeah, um, um, I so I so I took a look at the Amiga version, so the Amiga version uh, like on YouTube to compare the games, and I also like I said played the Game Boy and Game Gear versions briefly to compare them, and just like um, all three versions of these games do a very good job of porting the you know porting the Amiga game uh, very well. Um, uh, the Super NES game is really just kind of like just a watered down something version play version uh, version play version Amiga game. Um, the graphics and the, and the music are a little bit ter- are a little bit weaker because of the fact that Super NES hardware wasn't quite as capable as the Amiga stuff was. Um, they moved the status bar from the top of the screen that was in the Amiga version to the bottom of the screen the Super NES version. I'm not sure why they did that, but whatever. Um, they just uh, wanted to make it different. Yeah, I, I guess I, yeah, I suppose so. There probably was a programming reason, <laughs> uh, a programming reason behind it too. But um, and. Uh, the Super NES version of the game has all four tables uh, present. That was in the Amiga version of the game. The Game Boy and Game Gear versions uh, like only have three tables. Um, but yeah, playing that version of the game, I was very surprised. Like surprised just how well the handheld version of the game played. Uh, very impressive, like handheld system, I thought. Mm-hmm. But uh, yeah, yeah, because like Nick, you can probably speak best about this because you have the most familiarity, like just like familiar like the Game Boy version of the game. Um, I'm guessing from your tone that you would. I'm guessing, boy. I'm guessing, like what you said earlier, that you enjoyed the game quite a bit uh, back in the Game Boy. On the on the Game Boy, yes. Um, now, at that time, of course, I didn't have any machines, and I wasn't so deep into this that I was underwater. But um, <laughs> as far as pinball goes, so I was I was playing out on location at the arcades or the grocery store or wherever there was a pinball machine at the time. But this was a good way to uh, fill the space between. Uh, and it didn't take any additional quarters, so that's always good. <laughs> um, but yeah, I was I was fairly impressed with the the scrolling and, and panning that the Game Boy was able to do without it becoming, you know, completely unplayable. Um, you know, I think they did a pretty good job on the portable one. Yeah, and you definitely can tell the same company like you know ported like set work on ported the game to all three systems because all three versions of the game uh, look and play very similar. Just of course, the Game Boy version is a bit more wired down with graphics and whatnot. It loses the Game Boy version loses most of the graphical the graphical touches and, and flair that the uh, the Super NES and Amiga version of the game had. But uh, considering the hardware system was on, uh, um, you know that's understandable. But uh, um, and, and uh, like I said, the Game Boy version of the game is also on the same table. Uh, probably because like space reasons, but uh, um, uh, but yes, but yes. So uh, this version of the game came out, but came out in '94, and uh, and uh, and uh, and uh, for the time it came out, uh, Four Tables was a pretty good uh, selection. Uh, I mean, like most most of the new games, uh, pinball games at the time, only had like two, maybe three tables if you were lucky. So having like Four Tables present version was pretty impressive. Like the time it came out. 
Um, real quick here, we'll get into the table discussion later on, but the four tables present in the present game are Ignition, which is, which is, which is centered around a space theme, um, Steel Wheel, which is centered around the Old West, uh, um, Beatbox, which is centered around the music industry, um, and Nightmare, which is centered around kind of like a haunted, haunted graveyard theme. Curiously enough, uh, the table actually, the table itself is actually called Graveyard. But the game, <laughs> but the game, the menu, uh, but the game, the main menu calls it Nightmare for some reason. I'm guessing, I'm guessing that, I'm guessing the name, the name got changed very late in development, and they, and, and, and that was not communicated to, like the artist, um, to make the change. But so uh, I'm not really sure about that. But uh, um, yeah, and the beatbox version of the game is missing. Uh, uh, sorry, the beatbox table is missing from the Game Boy and Game Gear versions of the game. Um, so uh, just too much to handle. Well, well, <laughs> carts, well, cart size. I mean, I mean, those carts were smaller. Uh, their ROM size was smaller in those carts than it was available. Like the Super NES version of the game. So, but they, um, uh, first, first, I'm going to say the box cover for this game is the most plainest Super NES box cover I've yet to see. Uh, I've, yet, you, 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 I've yet to see the date. Uh, for games, for, for games for this podcast, all it is like all it is, all it is just a steel pinball in flight. <laughs> Where's Wonderful. it going? Yeah, <laughs> uh, Cuba. <laughs> um, so, um, yeah, so very, very curious, but uh, um, <laughs> um, so doing the research, the research, the research like in this game, um, Dice tried to make the game as realistic as possible. Given the limitations of, given the limitations of computer hardware at the time, and like you know, uh, we can talk about this later on. But I think that um, they were trying to emulate. I couldn't find this anywhere in print, but it certainly feels like playing playing this game in these tables. That they, I think they realized that they, that I think they realized that they probably couldn't do a good job of trying to play a quote unquote modern pinball table that was coming out coming out of the time period because it, uh, because I think I mentioned earlier pinball tables in the 90s in the 90s started going through resurgence they were getting to be a lot more complicated a lot more electronic based uh, whatnot I think I think Dice was afraid that they tried to replicate one of the tables the tables of the Amiga the Amiga the, 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 uh, you know that they would fail miserably. So I think so. So these tables remind me remind me a lot about. And Nick, I'm curious to hear your thoughts about this as well. Uh, these tables remind me a lot about like early '80s pinball tables, like how they look and play and feel. So um, these all, and and I have notes about each one of these because they they all have design elements from real pinball machines. Um, you can see where certain things are cribbed, uh, but the the overall feel is a System 11 game. So System 11 is uh, Williams from the mid to late 80s, uh, and they're alphanumeric. And in 1992, they made the big leap to the uh, dot matrix displays. Those are the video displays uh, that they used for a couple decades. And uh, just recently, they've made the switch completely to LCDs. Um, Just the pinball industry in general. But... Um, yeah, I mean, that time, would make sense. Yeah. In, yeah. in 1994, if this came out for the Amiga at that time, uh, is that correct? Uh, 92, like the Amiga. 92. Okay, so that's like right when uh, there was the switchover from alphanumeric to DMD. So that makes sense. And then this was ported a couple years later 
Um, so that that all makes sense. Um, so everything from there's a post in between the flippers uh, with a, a tiny rubber on it that allows you to bounce the ball out if it's headed straight for the drain. Um, that is like system 11 to a T. And the shape of the flippers, the size of the flippers, um, kind of the lights, sounds, and actions, and some of the designs of the ramps and so forth are, are very system 11. Um, so games like uh, Pinbot, Whirlwind, um, Fire, there, there's quite a few um, system 11 games. And, and if you take a look at those, this is very reminiscent of any one of those, basically. Huh. No, I did not realize that. So um, I'm certainly that's glad pretty you... cool. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Um, I I think that's a, a real strength of this game is that they um, realized that they weren't pinball designers <laughs> Some, right. somewhere along the way, at least mostly. Uh, and we'll get into that, you know, with each table. But um, the elements that they cribbed uh, from real machines, I think. They cribbed some good elements. Um, you know, think everything from the placement of a target bank to the types of targets that are used and those kind of things. It, it really, uh, they made some smart decisions in some places. Well, let me also ask you about that since it's kind of like you know, related. Uh, playing this game, playing this game, I was a little bit surprised and also frustrated, frustrated like some parts. Um, mm-hmm. I don't know exactly when this feature was caught in place pinball tables. Um, I thought, I thought before I played this game, actually, that I had to first playing it, that, that these tables would have uh, multiple, like, multiple flippers. Um, you know, they'd have flippers uh, toward the uh, toward the side and top, and, and the top, and not to be limited to the two flippers, to two flippers that are bottom, you know, the bottom of the table. Um, when did that, like, when did that become like more commonplace in uh, commonplace pinball games to have games to have multiple flippers? Is that just not a thing during this time period? Well, um, you know, it's that's an interesting thing because the very first game with flippers had six flippers. Um, that's Humpty wow. Dumpty in 1947. So uh, from there, there was a whole series of games with six flippers, and then they scaled it back. Different companies did it different ways. Um, some of them tried it with a single flipper. And then eventually, what the industry kind of settled on, because it would be familiar for players moving from game to game, um, it was this thing that at least they now call the Italian bottom, which is two flippers with in lanes and out lanes. Uh, so the in lanes feed back to the flippers, and then the out lanes, of course, go to the drain. Mm, okay. But there was all kinds of variation before that. And as far as multiple flippers, it was really dependent on the health of the industry, mostly, <laughs> because if there was more money to spend on the game, uh, then they would put in more flippers. Um, you know, the thing to realize is that each flipper adds a whole lot to the cost, not just from a programming perspective for a solid-state machine, but also, you know, the coil, the mechanism, uh, the flipper bat. It also adds to the maintenance, because uh, instead of for, you know, a pinball operator having to change two flippers, they have to change three or more um, when the time comes to do that maintenance. So... Uh, there's all kinds of trade-offs, and, and you're right. These games all have just two flippers. Um, but uh, at the time, you know, 80, 89 to um, really 90, 94, multiple flippers were pretty commonplace, um, especially with certain designers. Uh, so, it, again, it, it's kind of dependent on the designer, the health of the industry. There's a lot of factors. 
Well, it makes me that? wonder then, like, you know, why didn't you know, why they didn't like include multiple flippers like the video like this game? Because, like I said, they're not. Uh, they had cribbed elements from back of pinball tables, but the tables. So they're not trying to trying to pull off an, an exact one-to-one likeness of a like of a specific pinball table. So I, I think it's more right. fun to have multiple flippers, and it's easier to do. It's it, 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 definitely easier. It's definitely easier to do like a new game format. So I'm just curious right. curious why that wasn't it wasn't done. So I have a suspicion, but I, I don't know, um, and I think it's because of. Um, how much of a budget <laughs> that this team spent on the graphics. Mm. Um, because uh, none of the machines allow you to sc- scale out and see the entire table at once. The entire play field. True. Uh, yeah. Yeah. So the, the game is scrolling and panning and, and doing all kinds of stuff with the camera as you're playing. Um, which is actually, I think, one of its shortcomings. Uh that there's not the ability to see the overall view. As a pinball player, you know, I want to be able to think ahead. And um, it's really hard to do that on this, any of these uh, machines I think that would be game. too much for the, the console to render, though. That's probably well, why they did took in the zoomed-in So I, I would think aspect. that, except if, if you don't have the overhead of, of really uh, shifting the camera all the time and, and completely rendering entirely different elements, I, I would think... There would be enough memory and, and processing power to do that, especially because they don't really emulate a lot of the mechanical aspects of the games. Um, they emulate the flippers, right. uh, but things like slingshots um, just make a noise and then they'll fling the ball, ball right. but you, you don't see the actual uh, mechanism move like you do on a real game. So um, there's not a whole lot of uh, animation going on. You know, there's not a lot for the, the machine to really track. The machine being the Super Nintendo. Um, if you had a zoomed out view, I think that was done just because it needed to be made more comfortable to play on a TV. Um, you know, if you think think back to late 80s, early 90s, TV sizes then weren't what they are now, and right. um, commonly. And uh, so, you know, having to play it on a on a 20 something inch screen, it would probably be pretty difficult if you had the entire play field but having the option sure would have been nice (laughs) i mean there could there could be a number of options if you zoom it out then you have wasted space on the sides because you know there's a lot of things you can and you know we don't specifically know why but right um i mean i understand their choice here right well well, i can't say that the super nes version it really emulates the Amiga version almost perfectly. So, like you know, the same that same that same resolution was the same, like the same like in the Amiga. Um, okay. So, whether or not the Super NES could have handled a further res- uh, a, zoom, a more zoomed out resolution, maybe, possibly, but again, again, they were, again, they were trying to port the game over as perfectly as possible, like in the Amiga version, because that's the version that it came first, and, that, and that's the version that was so popular, whatnot. Um, yeah, as far as the zoomed out version goes, I also prefer to have. Uh, the pinball table is zoomed out as far as possible. Like you know, like playing like you know, for example, Microsoft doing you know, Microsoft tables. Um, mm-hmm. You know, like the modern ones. You know, the modern like you know, um, uh, uh, Disney themed uh, Star Wars and the uh, and the Marvel ones. Uh, I really mm-hmm. love how they give you like you know six different viewpoints to pick from. It was yeah. range like you know, like all the way zoomed in to all the way zoomed out, and like you know, I prefer zoomed out, but. Uh, 
you know, there's a trade-off of the Bubby zoomed out. You can't really see the fine detail of the table or the TV that far out. Right. Right. Um, it's going to be hard to see, you know, you realize you hit a bumper, a bumper or a target, but you don't put your target, but you can't see clear enough to see what you actually, what you actually hit. Um, or so, what it's doing. Right, exactly. So, um... As far as the compromise goes, I have seen I have seen pinball games zoomed in even closer to close in this one, which are always possible to play. So right. I think so I think this this takes me used to, I think, with the resolution, but I think it so I think what you get used to it's not that bad. Yeah. Right. Um you you see about a third of the playfield at any given time. Right, um, yeah. Which so. which is pretty good. It's pretty good. You know, and it scrolls pretty well to keep up the pinball, so it's like, you know, there's no you know, there's no like jerky motions or lag or anything She's like, that's also a plus. Mm-hmm. But, uh, yeah, I'm glad you also noticed, yeah, I'm glad you mentioned the resolution, the resolution, because that definitely was a talking point for me as well, and I'm like, and I'm like, eh, this resolution's not great, but I can get used to it. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> hey, that's um, the power of the SNES. Well, like I said, um, if this game, if this game was a straight, brand new pinball game and not a port, maybe they could have done it differently, but... Um, they, but, Who knows? Yeah, but yeah, like I said, you, like I said, they Let's were trying to. Let's go ask Dice. Well, not Dice. Dice is the, <laughs> the, the uh, spider socks. The people, the, 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 the people handed the port. But um, yeah, and the resolutions then. The resolution angle is the, that it's like the exact same on the Game Boy and Game Gear versions as well. So, but uh, mm-hmm. so all three of those versions uh, uh, look but look very similar actually, which is a credit I think to the porting efforts. But uh, yeah. Um, uh, controls the game like pretty like pretty easy, uh, like, like pretty straightforward. Like no problems there. Um, just just well, uh, I, I got a bone to pick. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> Let's hear uh, it. So uh, you control the flippers with the uh, left direction on the the control pad and then mm-hmm. the A button. Um, that's pretty intuitive and good. And uh, then when it comes to nudging, I mean that's really uh, as, as we were talking earlier. It's it's a Almost like the heart of the game is is how how do you nudge, what direction, how much force, all that kind of stuff, and that's where uh, virtual pinball typically has an issue, and this game is unfortunately no exception. Um, there's only one force, and that is maximum, and uh, you apply it only to the left or the right with the shoulder buttons L and R. Um, there's no way to to bump the game forward and back, and um, People who play a lot of, of pinball, especially older pinball machines, um, there's a lot more movement forward and back uh, because that's how you can bounce off of uh, rubber that's around a mechanism or around a set of posts and move the ball somewhere else that it needs to be. And uh, we'll talk about specific games, you know, tables here in a, in a moment, and I'll explain kind of why that's an issue. <laughs> but... Um, yeah, that's that's my my beef there. If there was a way to, to bump the table forward and back, that'd be great. Um, I just wish there was a button that made me flip it over. <laughs> that would have been great. <laughs> so it sounds like you loved it, huh? <laughs> oh, yeah, I mean, uh, I mean that was a joke, but like, <laughs> I don't really know much about the whole bumping thing, so I can't really. Like I said before, bumping you know, is a fine art. Bumping's, bumping's, bumping, 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 like what's so. I, I separate separates your average pinball player like your great one because, and to be honest, I'm not very good at bumping either because like I often, so I'm playing physical table, I almost never do it uh, because I was like hit it like too hard, like too, too hard, too, 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 like too hard to cause a tilt. But 
Um, I never realized the whole up and down thing. It's like, you know, every game I've ever played that had nudging always had left or right. I never, I, you know, I never thought about up or down being option two. As you mentioned, I'm like, huh, yeah, you're right. Um, it's a... Uh... It's one of those things that becomes apparent with enough practice and, uh, you know, sitting in front of a physical game. So, um, you know, I don't know if the developers, if that was something that had to be sacrificed on the Amiga version or um, what. Unfortunately, I've never seen the Amiga version, so I don't, you know... Well, like I said, the Amiga version is almost, it's almost, like I said, the Super Nintendo version is almost a perfect port like the Amiga version. I was very impressed by how closely they did, especially how closely they ported it over. That's uh-huh. really... Yeah. Really, the only difference is really the only difference between the two of them is the status bars. Uh, the status bars on the bottom of the screen is pulled over the top, um, um, and the graphics and music are you know, downgraded a little bit. Because uh, mm-hmm. Amiga had more powerful hardware to work with, to work with, to work with like the Super NES did. But uh, beyond that, yeah, it's almost perfect. Did you all have trouble seeing the display? Yes, I was going to comment on yeah. that earlier. <laughs> um, I love how. I love the I love the fact they tried to make it look like an actual pinball cable display. That was a cool touch, yeah. but very hard to read. <laughs> oh yeah, I, I I was afraid that I was going to be the only one. <laughs> uh, I was like, what does this say? Like maybe maybe if they just like the ones that weren't lit up, like not have them light up, or mm, you know like yeah. show in as a color or whatever. That'd be really cool because then I'd be able to make out what's going on. But it's what's it's going? it's yeah. similar enough that you have trouble discerning what what it's saying. Mm-hmm. Definitely. Yeah, I, I, I think they chose poorly as far as the background color, you know, the off-segment color. Right. Um, it's, or it's maybe too, just change the light color or something, like make it brighter? Something. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. The, the, yeah, yeah. Uh, that display is one thing that's definitely weaker in the Super NES than it is on the Mika, because the Mika had the Mika had brighter colors there on uh, like that display. Uh, uh, I feel like it was easier to read uh, okay. the Super NES version of the version of the game. But they, uh, so you're just te- you're telling me that I should go play the Mika version instead? Well, the Mika well, version, <laughs> version has some has a, the Mika version has shortcomings too, also I think. Um, uh, well, one thing the Mika the Mika version of the game is disc based, so it's like a very slow load time. I um, think that's an advantage. There was also there was also a bug with the Amiga 2200. There was also a bug I found out during the of the game with the Amiga 1200, 1200 uh, uh, computer, which was the most common version of Amiga at the time that this game came out. That would render Beatbox pretty much unplayable because most of the advanced features of that uh, of that <laughs> table were not working on that on that system because of the, on the system to because of the hardware issue. So, Again, I, wow. I just—that's just a feature, you know. That's part of the game. Uh, uh, and the Amiga version of the game, you only use, and I think it, and I think you only, and I think you can only use the keyboard with the Amiga version of the game. I uh, don't think there's any joystick support. I—I I mean, I don't see anything wrong with that. Well, kind of clunky trying to play pinball. Pinball, pinball like the keyboard. I've done it before. It's not very much fun. Uh, I don't know. I think it's not too bad. <laughs> um, <laughs> so before we get to the tables, let me just talk about the music here, like real quick. Um, I do like how they try to make a, a, a fit each musical theme to each table because that's a touch that most games don't bother with. I think, I, right. I think, especially like your pinball, your, your pinball games. Uh, there's only one song for each like each table, but at least it sounds. But at least it sounds. It sounds appropriate, 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 appropriate to the overall theme. Right. Um, 
the initial one kind of sounds sci-fi based, the steel wheel one sounds old western, and then the, uh, uh, the beatbox one sounds kind of, uh, it sounds like you know, rock slash rapish, and the uh, uh, nightmare one sounds like horrorish. And you know there are voice samples in this game also, which uh, uh, which used more, which used to better effect some cables than others. I, you know, I think, but um, overall, like overall, I thought the music in the game was like very good. Um, it definitely gets tiring, tiring after a while, but, uh, like I said, you know, I do appreciate the fact how at least they tried to make it sound, uh, definitely, like, they should definitely table specific. I actually have a story, uh, about the sequel, Pinball Dreams 2, where it's like, uh, by comparison, the programmer, the programmer, the programmer of that game said that basically he didn't even know what the game Look like, uh, like, uh, oh. uh, uh, because the fact that because the fact that they wanted to write the music before the computer write the music so the code was finalized. So it's like, so, so, so it's like they gave them they gave them the list of song titles, kind of copy over pinball dreams and it, it dreams. It's like you know I couldn't even see what the game looked like. Do you know that it was that? To be that because that I was probably in the dark. That so. doesn't sound too great. No! <laughs> that's like, you know, that's like if you get a composer for, um, like, a video game today, and it's like, alright, we're not gonna show you the video game, but we're gonna tell you what it's about, and we want you to compose music to fit the game. Yeah. <laughs> well, I was talking about that famous story, like, about the cover of Mega Man 2, because, like, you know, the designer, uh, the artist for that, was just given, like, a, a, a few words, a few words of what the game was like, and that's it. It was like an hour to come up with the cover, and that was it. Um, so, Mega Man 1. Right. Right. Um, yeah, with well, him the and the gun. gun. Yeah. <laughs> pistol, I guess. yeah. <laughs> so it's like, but anyway. Um, oh but, man, that should be like a, like somebody should do a video series on that. Like somebody, like, kind of half explains <laughs> a game and somebody has to draw like cover art for it. They've done that? Uh, no, not, not exactly that, but uh, they have done, they have done a series about like, you know, like, the uh, the the Mega Man covers and what went into it went to and everything else like that. So, but um, so anyway, we're getting off topic here. <laughs> um, Were we ever on topic? Yeah. Just kidding. Yeah, very much so. Uh, George, how about you? Uh, so, what, so what did you take of the music? Uh, it was all right. Should you the favorites? No. Mm. Yeah, it's it's actually kind of forgettable for me to be honest. <laughs> like, oh, it fits the theme, and then now I can't I can't even think what the music was like. Well, I think I'm curious to hear what Nick thinks about this. I think it's one advantage the one advantage that that video that video pinball tables have uh, have over uh, counterparts because we uh, so recently uh, pinball tables only had like very limited music in them. Uh, so it's like you know the video game so the video game version of the game at least had like you at least you at least had, like, your full soundtrack to listen to as you play. So, in the early 80s, um, that was that was true. Um, but as technology evolved, they added more storage space for sound and voice uh, to pinball machines. And uh, multiple themes could be uh, heard. And, and the Williams games at this time, as I say, these kind of emulate um, a Williams feel. Uh had synthesized music, so you know it's it sounded very uh, similar to the Super NES, actually. Um, and uh, I would say that uh, aside from Ignition, the other titles have kind of grating music, 
and, and graveyards graveyards okay but um you know the the other ones are, are kind of rough i think the best music though is the menu music i don't know <laughs> what you guys think about that it's like a a slow jazz uh kind of thing that's all right <laughs> i didn't actually like it but uh ignition sounds the most like a real pinball machine to me um hmm. Well, I'm going to bring up the sound effects next because I think the sound effects sound like. Uh, it's like me at least, the sound effects sound. Uh, sound like very good. They sound very like you're pinballish. I would I would agree for the most part. Um, the lack of mechanical action or, or movement uh, for any of these uh, mechanical pieces that are flinging the ball around um, it does kind of jump out at you, um, especially if you just play non-stop pinball <laughs> all the time like I do so um, but uh, the flippers I mean I'm really impressed that they got good flipper sounds uh, and consistent flipper sounds uh, that believe it or not is kind of a problem with a lot of virtual pinball um, or video game pinball so um, that that's a big plus for me is being able to hear that I've flipped especially if I can't see the flippers at that time mm. um, makes a big difference uh, Okay, yeah. I thought about that. The, the, like, you know, like, um, you know, of course the mechanical sounds like when present, like present, because present, because the version of the game doesn't have, just doesn't have the mechanical parts, but, uh, yeah, I thought about that. That's a very good point. Mm-hmm. But, so there's, uh, there's clunks and thunks and, you know, all kinds of stuff that, that are not present. Mm-hmm. Um, but, uh, you know, as far as the sounds that things make when you hit them, um, those are typically themed pretty well, and, uh, uh, they make sense, so right. uh, yeah. that's that's always good. Right, oh, right. So uh, let's get into the tables, the tables themselves here. Um, we'll start off with like missions, since it's like since I since I can do like first in uh, first in the game. Um, your basic your basic science, uh, your basic uh, space exploration, which is a group. So, which was a very, very common theme for pinball tables. I probably, I'm sure they could think of a lot more, but I think of at least a dozen different pinball tables right off the top of my head that had like a space theme to them. But uh, just like probably the most easily, you know, easily, easily replicated and you know, common, common thing to 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 do in the new game formats. Um, so, yeah, there uh, were there <laughs> were lots made from the '60s to the '80s. Um, yeah. Lots and lots of space themes. <laughs> um, so I, th- so I thought this table was all right. Uh, not my favorite, not my worst. Uh, definitely had some, uh, you know, uh, um, some of the, some of the, uh, some of the table design choices for this table were kind of curious to me. I thought is how it's like laid out, but mm-hmm. I wasn't, a, I wasn't a big fan as to how some of the, uh, some of the ramps and lanes, for example, they were designed. But, uh, um, um, but yeah. But yeah, like overall, I thought that you know, um, um, you know, the space theme, the space theme, they did a good job of like you know naming the bonuses, the bonuses and, and the special features and whatnot, uh, um, uh, keeping like, the space theme and the you know the artwork, the artwork of the so the artwork of the rocket on the bottom, you know, bottom table is like pretty cool, um, you know whatnot. So like pretty good table, to, you know, pretty good table to start off with. I think I think it's probably average difficulty, not as just not as hard as some of the other tables present. By president, president's game. So that was my take on it. I do. How about yours? Uh, it felt kind of basic. 
Uh, I don't know what else to say. <laughs> Honestly, it just kind of felt basic. Well, I think it is kind of a more simplistic table, like I was saying, like versus right. the other ones. But nothing. Uh, but yeah, but yeah, that's not always a bad thing uh, to have a simple, do a simple no. table. You know, as long as it's fun. But um, it's definitely, you know, but you know, definitely, it's definitely, definitely one of the tables that actually like just got like you know, fair deal, too fair deal time. I fair deal time with, but you know, wanting to get better on it or whatnot. Um, so, um, uh, so uh, Nick, so how about your take? All right, guys, sit back and relax because I've got five minutes of notes. All right, all right, just control the podcast and I'll uh, go watch some YouTube videos or something. <laughs> I'll just yell real loud when I'm done. Oh, um, okay. So, Ignition, for me, this is my favorite of the four. Um, really? And the okay. reason I say that is because it's the most like a real pinball machine. Hmm. Um, and there's... What I did for each game is I kind of wrote down the rules that I could discern and uh, kind of some of the, the wonkiness, if there's wonkiness, and uh, what your overall goal is. Um so in the middle of the play field where there's the, the rocket image that uh, Greg was talking about, there's the word ignition. And the overall goal, at least as far as I see it, is to spell ignition. So you complete certain shots and it'll light one of the letters and eventually you'll light the whole thing. Um, most of these machines, and, and this one is no exception, uh, the skill shot is incredibly valuable. And here's where uh, kind of the graphics fall apart for me, uh, as well as the nudge feature, and I'll explain that here. But uh, in a standard pinball machine, the vast majority of them have a shooter lane, what they call a shooter lane on the right-hand side. You plunge the ball, it goes up the shooter lane, and it goes through a gate at the top, a one-way gate that prevents the ball from going back down the shooter lane. And then there's a rebound or another gate or something up at the top that the ball can bounce around up there and use up a little of the force and then it'll come down either through a set of posts or uh, a rollover lane or something. There's usually some kind of uh, obstacle up at the top that takes away some of the inertia from the plunge. So this has that. Uh, so your skill shot is the first shot that comes out of the shooter lane. and. Um, in games of this era, which, again, I classify these as kind of late 80s machines, um, your skill shot couldn't move, uh, which I, I think is a good thing because you actually have to have skill to hit it. Uh, modern machines, you can really move the skill shot wherever you want, sometimes after plunging, and I think that's just kind of cheating. <laughs> um, and because of that, skill shots have really... Um, cheapened over the years, but this one has an incredibly important skill shot. In fact, it's so important that it's basically the shot that you need to make <laughs> uh, in order to get a good score. And uh, there's a flashing light under one of the inserts under one of the rollover lanes, and there's four rollover lanes at the top that spell the word warp, W-A-R-P. So when you shoot the ball, uh, even if you make it all the way to the top of the shooter lane but don't quite get through the gate you can't see which letter is blinking. The game doesn't actually start the skill shot until after it leaves that gate, um, which is not how a real machine would work. So there's no way for you to really aim your plunge uh, until after it's already left the gate, which is a little problematic. 
because uh, you've only got like an inch of space <laughs> before it rolls through one of the lanes. Um, so the only control that you have once it leaves the shooter lane is nudging. And again, you can only nudge left and right. And here's where uh, back and forth would be really helpful. Because in a uh, real machine, especially the machines that I tend to favor, um, you do a lot of nudging back and forth to switch uh, which lane it's going to come down. And uh, because there's no um, thought put to the force that's used, it's always maximum force, as I said earlier, uh, you kind of jangle around up there and hopefully land in the right spot. Um, You can hit the nudge probably seven or eight times before the game tilts. Um, Wow. Which is really, yeah, which is kind of uh, baffling because a, a real game That's certainly very generous. <laughs> wouldn't allow you to do that. That's right. Right. Um, right. Yeah. So even modern games, you know, they'll give you three warnings and then it'll tilt. Now, if you're really heavy-handed, of course, it'll tilt right away because the there's a plumb bob inside the game and it bounces back and forth uh, in this metal ring. And if it makes contact three or more times, then you tilt. Um, but anyway, this this game. That plumb bob must be flying, and uh, <laughs> it makes absolutely no difference. So um, that skill shot, again, is very important, and the reason it's important is it increases your bonus multiplier. So through the normal gameplay, hitting different shots, you're going to increase the amount of bonus that you get at the end of your ball. Uh, so when you drain, you get additional points. Uh, a multiplier is exactly what it sounds like. It'll multiply that by two to start with. And if you're able to complete the word warp over and over again, it'll increase your multiplier another time or two or four, you know, depending on um, how many times you complete it. So that's kind of the first most important shot of the game is the skill shot. Once you come down through there, there's two pop bumpers, which are arranged kind of diagonally to each other, um, upper left and then bottom right. And then uh, below that, there's a bank of three stand-up targets in the center. Uh, Those are critical, and they're also the sucker shot of the game. Um, So those are cribbed from uh, another Steve Ritchie game. Um, He's the designer um, that we were talking about with Terminator 2, uh, I believe, at the beginning here. But uh, he also designed a game called High Speed around this era. Mm, Yes, uh, yep. That was a very popular game. Oh, yeah. Um, and in that, there's a bank of three stand-up targets, and they're arranged in an identical uh, situation near the flippers. Uh, and again, it's a sucker shot, but you have to make it in order to progress. Uh, the thing that I think this game gets wrong is that it's so doggone difficult to spell the entire word ignition. <laughs> you know, that's a long it's word. It's too long. Yeah. yeah. So you have to complete that bank of three targets eight times in order oh. to spell ignition which i think is just ridiculous um yeah it is you know in in high speed for example you have to complete that bank once (laughs) and and then it unlocks you know the thing that that unlocks but in this you have to just hit that over and over again and it's so uh easy to drain from that shot that's why i call it a sucker shot so um on the right hand side there's a rollover and that rollover is uh, what it, what I call, at least, the sun rollover. And uh, when you roll over that, that's a very important shot to make three times because it'll hold your bonus uh, amount. Not your multiplier, which I think is 
unfortunate. <laughs> and uh, that's not like a real pinball machine. Most of the time your multiplier is held as well uh, if your bonus is held. But if you have a really high bonus, that's really nice. And so one of the first things on this game that I try to do is just hit that lane at least three times uh, so that I can get my bonus held. And then I work on building up my bonus. Um, spelling fuel, which is on the left-hand side, doing that twice advances uh, the planet that you're on. Now, I only got to Mercury, which is the first one, <laughs> so, uh, because you have to do it again. It's, it's like you have to do it so much in order to progress. Uh, I, I think that's a missed opportunity, too. Um, because spelling fuel is very, very difficult. I don't know if you guys had had that issue um, uh, oh, with yeah. those targets on the left. Yeah, yeah. I you you've gotten much farther than I have in this <laughs> this game. So, well, um, it's it's a problem because they're stand up targets, like those three stand ups that are right in the center. And right. um, you know, in this game, pretty much all the targets are stand up targets because um, they didn't emulate any of the mechanics, like I said. So having drop targets. Uh, is problematic because you can't really tell if they're dropped or not um, and we'll get to that in a moment but uh, up above those fuel targets there's a uh, what they call an orbit lane and uh, it's only uh, I guess you'd call it a half orbit it only brings you back up to the warp lanes at the top you can't circle all the way back around to the uh, right hand flipper if you're shooting through that left hand orbit um, each time that you shoot through that orbit, it progresses a value. Um, so you get a progressive number of points if you're able to do it over and over again. Uh, then you'll get a whole heck of a lot of points up to... Um, actually, I wrote it down. Up to... Oh, man. 10 million. <laughs> 10 million points for one shot. Um, now, if you're able to do that, I would love to see that. <laughs> um, I've managed to do it twice in a row and I felt really good about that um, but uh, yeah the, the other thing that this machine has is a kick out hole um, which is to the right of that orbit shot and that kick out hole has a progressive value as well I'm not certain how that value advances um, but it does somehow and uh, you collect it from the kick out hole and then to the right of that up above the upper left pop bumper, there are two drop targets. And I just mentioned how problematic that would be. I was, I was serious. So, <laughs> um, when they're not dropped, they are red rectangles. And when they're dropped, they are slightly bigger red rectangles. Um, so it's very difficult to tell if they're dropped. And your uh, reward for dropping both of them is a couple points... And that's it. There's no sound effect. There's nothing uh, to tell you that the drop targets have reset. Uh, there's absolutely nothing uh, visual. Um, so that's that's kind of a letdown. I really like drop targets in games, and uh, um, I was I was hopeful that would be cool, but it's not. So, mm. um, and that's pretty much all I have for that one. Uh, and as I said, that one's my favorite. So probably I'll get less detailed as we go. <laughs> <laughs> Well, this is why we brought you on the podcast, Nick, because you're the expert with pinball tables. <laughs> yeah, I, just all these notes that you wrote, it's crazy. Uh, yeah, yeah, I mean, like, you know, I you definitely have a lot, have a lot more appreciation and appreciation and finer eye for this stuff 
that I do. I mean, I enjoyed playing it, but, or playing it, but like I didn't even know it was those things. So, um, so kudos to you for that. I'm I'm curious if the manual uh, describes these in in some way. Um, I don't have the manual, unfortunately, so I don't know. But um, um, it does a little bit. It does not go into that much detail, however. Uh, the manual is pretty bare bones, actually. I mean, I, 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 um, because I didn't look at it also online. It talks about um, it, um, it talks about the um, it talks about the unique features of, of each table and how to get them. Right? Show how to get the bonuses and whatnot, but it doesn't really go into like uh, uh, minute, like minute details to uh, details to how like calculate score and everything else like that. Okay, um, but good to know. <laughs> <laughs> um, so yeah, um, I uh, um, I think this table was probably I think this table was uh, um, uh, like final thought. Um, as Nick mentioned, I think this table was certainly a very difficult table. I don't think it was the most difficult. Um, I, I don't think it was, to me at least, it wasn't it, it wasn't the most difficult table um, like in the game. However, uh, that one I found was the next one, Steel Wheel. Um, <laughs> yes. Boy, boy, oh boy, I promise, I promise this one. Um, <laughs> what a complicated table. Yeah. Now, um, having said that, I liked it. Uh, the overall. Uh, uh, between the overall theme and the music, I, music, I'd rank this as the second best table in the game, actually. But uh, I think it's the most difficult table to play, bar none. Uh, where do you, yeah, like, where do, we, yeah, like, where do we even start? Uh, that top ramp is almost impossible to possible to, to shoot unless you actually get like dead on with like a full power shot. I don't think uh, I've ever gotten up that ramp. It's not easy. It is very no. very difficult. Um, it's it's like frustratingly frustratingly impossible. Uh, the bump, um, uh, the, um, uh, what do they call it, uh, the small drop target targets are very hard to hit. Um, the, 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 the ball is very hard to control, uh, but to control. We haven't talked about physics yet, um, for these tables, but, well, that's, that's um, a good point. But they don't they, feel um, realistic. Well, I think the time this came out, that they were, that, uh, that, 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 that that, that they were that they were reasonably realistic physics for the time period this, that this table was developed. <laughs> I mean, I mean, of course, modern pinball tables have done a better job of physics. Um, mm -hmm. Example: your know, Xbox Live table the tables that are playing are much better at physics. But I think we're talking about pinball FX or yeah, or what? yeah, pinball there's FX like, tables. There's a few so, things I think. Sorry, yeah, the pinball FX two tables. Um, the, the, the physics, the, the physics those tables are great. Um, by today's standards, yeah, yeah, these physics have some problems. But I think the time it came out, they did a pretty good job. Again, 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 based on the hardware, the hardware that, that this game is written for, I, I think I, I think they did a pretty good job with the, uh, uh, um, you know, like the formulas and whatnot. But anyway, the physics are definitely the weakest in this table. I think for, uh, for uh, I think for various reasons. Um, I, I really, I really love the theme. Uh, the old western, the old west themes are not very common. Are common, but you commonly found, are commonly found pinball games. So, um, I, I really, so, so I really appreciated, appreciated, I appreciated uh, the, uh, the uniqueness and fun factor of this game. But man, it was frustrating to, frustrating to play. Not just because of like difficulty, difficulty, but just because how the table is, just because how the table is like you designed and laid out. Mm -hmm. Um, it, it really felt like a rush job, I thought. Mm -hmm. Maybe this, so like, maybe this was the last table, the last table that you have the design and put in or, or something like that. Um, 
George, you seem to agree with most of what I said. <laughs> yes. It's, it's difficult. It's like, there's a lot there and it's cool to look at and see how it works and everything. But it's just difficult to get anywhere on that. Mm, definitely. Yeah. Um, so, Nick, how about your thoughts? All right, I got. I only have forty pages of notes for this one. So, uh, <laughs> all right. <laughs> all right. So, we're talking about Steel Wheel, Wheel which is the. Uh, uh, it's I, I took it as like a Pony Express type theme, or or some kind of train uh, theme, which I guess would be the Steel Wheel. Um, right. Yeah. But yeah. They, <laughs> one of the things that's confusing about it, and I would I would agree that it feels like a rush job. Uh, unfortunately, I don't think it's necessarily the worst playing one um, of the collection. But uh, there's it, the rule set is very confusing. <laughs> oh yeah. So um, this one, you know, you you plunge a ball again. You have a skill shot. This one. Uh, there are three lanes which are almost exactly uh, right beside each other with no room for error whatsoever or even time for you to nudge. So you better hope that you manage to hit the right one because you can't see it until the ball's already there. Um, and again, that gives you your multiplier. Uh, there are two ramps in this game. There's one on the center, and that's the one that uh, George was talking about, or Greg was talking about, where it's like impossible to hit. Um, you shoot the ball, and it will pretty much drain. <laughs> um, nudging helps there uh, off of that center post in between the flippers, but uh, it is it is rough. Um, and then there's a left-hand ramp. Um, both of the ramps feed to these nice uh, metal. Uh, guides that bring the ball back to the flipper which I think is good um, and the skill shot oh I misspoke I'm sorry the skill shot is progressive uh, it's based on the ball in play so ball number one gives you a million points if you get the skill shot ball number two is two million and three is three um, and so forth so if you get extra balls they count extra um, so Besides the ramp that's up there on the left-hand side, there's an orbit which brings you back to the pop bumpers, which are right under that skill shot area with the lanes. And uh, that little feed is, is really weird because you can't see the ball um, at all. Uh, actually, there's a kickout that's on the left-hand side that you tend to fall into if you shoot anywhere near that ramp and it'll kick across to the pop bumpers. Um, but that's not obvious. Uh, and then to the right of that, there is a scoop. And the scoop gives you random awards, uh, and it'll light a value and, and give you a thousand, a million points, uh, light extra ball, those kind of things. But um, it, again, not super obvious. Uh, and then... Once it, it feeds from that scoop, instead of kicking it out of the scoop like you'd expect, it kicks from that kicker again on the left-hand side back into the pops. <laughs> so there's really no way to get control of the ball, which is kind of frustrating. And then down below, there's a bank of three targets on the right, um, and those are angled much steeper, so they're technically easier to hit, but the ball loses so much momentum when it hits the flipper rubber that uh, it's really hard to backhand shots up into where those targets would be, unless you're going really fast. Which is one thing this game does very well, is speed. 
Um, if yeah. you're, you know, flipping around and you hit a bunch of slingshots or you hit, you come out of the pops or whatever, the ball can really go flying, which is uh, pretty great. Um, because the ball is just a flat sprite, though, um, with no real shading to speak of, there's no way to know uh, that it's rolling necessarily or what direction it's taking. Um, so that's another challenge, but it's one that can be overcome. Um, I, I think they did a great job with the sense of speed of the ball. Uh, you know, that's that's tough to get right, um, especially at the time that this came out initially. Um, so on the far left, there's more stand-up targets, and they spell the word Steam. I have absolutely no idea why you're spelling Steam, but it's there. <laughs> and um, when you complete them... Uh, it advances the center ramp value. So you'll see a bunch of insert, what they call inserts, which are basically lights that are leading up to uh, the ramps. And there's some on the left-hand side and some in the center. And each time you complete steam, it, it advances one of the lights in the center. But all that does is award you more points for going through the ramp. So I, I still don't know exactly why you're trying to uh, spell that word over and over. And um, there's no, like master award at the top of that ladder it's just more points so maybe it's just points and that's fine Point, points is the master reward I guess that's true um, well I managed to spell steam once and uh, felt pretty good about that <laughs> you should um, because I couldn't yeah <laughs> Yeah, me either. <laughs> and, and, you know, yeah. I, I won't tell you the embarrassing number of times I had to play before I was able to spell that once. Um, but, uh, yeah, it's very difficult. Two. It, it was just two. You got me. Um, so, uh, the right hand targets, the ones that are up above the flipper that I was mentioning, are hard to hit. They light uh, something <laughs> on a right hand scoop that's to the right of those targets uh, that looks like it's an extra ball. And I managed to get that award many times. It's not an extra ball. Uh, I have no idea what it is. <laughs> but it told me that I had a covered wagon when I got it. So uh, I guess that's advancing something like you're advancing uh, fuel and ignition to change planets. But Yeah, again, I think so. Not obvious. And there's no lights on the playfield to tell you what exactly it does. Um, so I think that's a weakness uh, in the design myself. But, um, but yeah, it's it's relatively fun. I will say that I had a lot less fun with this game than I did with uh, Ignition. <laughs> a lot less. <laughs> I didn't tell. Yeah, well, it's, well, it's definitely a lot more frustrating. So oh, you know, yeah. I'm not sure I'm not sure what happened with table design, but um, you know, one of those like good ideas in theory not executed very well. Yeah, I just but. I feel like they had an idea and a theme. Yeah. And it just wasn't, yeah, they just didn't right. execute it properly. Yeah, oh, yeah definitely. So, so I, w I would definitely agree there. And I also think they didn't take enough elements from real machines. Um, and on the left-hand side where there's all that weird action there, there's the ramp and then the orbit and then the scoop, um, there's a bunch of inserts. And uh, it's not obvious where you collect from those inserts that are lit. Um, but it reminds me of a game called Cybernaut uh, that I, I sent to you guys, um, uh, a photo. And that game has a bunch of inserts that are, uh, has some stand-up targets behind it. And uh, you basically wail on those uh, to advance that. But that's a lot, you know, makes a lot more logical sense than um, Steel Wheels, where it's like, I don't know. 
<laughs> Something happened. Yeah, you know what I do they see. say? Steel wheels keep on turning. Yes, <laughs> that is true. Yeah. Yeah, looking at this picture, the, uh, the, yeah, look at the, yeah, look at these pictures here, like this table. Uh, I never played this, play this one, but um, I do see how they, um, I definitely can see the design, show design inspiration for it. Yeah, um, I, a little I, bit. I just think, yeah. Well, I mean, I did find this. Well, well, what do, well, 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 also, when doing research on this podcast, I also found a blurb, like a blurb, a blurb, like the developers, the developers of this game, that they were trying to make, they were trying to use table elements, uh, table, like a, a table elements in all dreams, like to be possible to build, set a reality, mm-hmm. set a real, do a real physical, set a real physical, a pinball table. So, uh, I, th- I think it's both a good thing and a bad thing, because it's like a good thing, it was good in that sense that they were, they were trying to try to, you know, simulate a, a realistic, a realistic table, a table in video game format, but it's also like, there's nothing wrong with like putting in video game elements, elements in this, like elements, like elements in this also spice it up some. I think that, I think, I think them trying to adhere to realistic growth so much, maybe for some bigger tables, like, tables unfortunately like this one. Well, I would I would say that um, you know they didn't go real enough, you know, with with it um, because right. uh, you know pinball designers is a, a job for a reason I would say, <laughs> and uh, I, I just feel like this one just didn't spend enough time in the cooker, you know. Um, yeah. Because in in real pinball design, you know, they move stuff millimeters uh, in order to make the shots feel better and and for you to be able to achieve them. So. I just feel like they didn't spend enough time testing it and, and moving stuff around. Um, but, you know, it's an attempt. So, that's good. <laughs> yeah. yeah. It's, it's gonna... It's weird to say it this way, but the game feels arcadey. Yeah. You understand what I mean? Yeah. Um, I think it's weird how like arcade arcadey is like kind of like a... Um, like a word to describe whether a game is like simulated or not nowadays. Mm-hmm. It's weird, and to call like a pinball game like more of like an arcadey type of game seems weird. But that's that's kind of what it is. Yeah, it's weird. I'm looking at it. Mm-hmm. Um, so speaking about like you know, like unique, so, so speaking about so speaking about as far as like unique elements goes, uh, neck table beatbox. Um, this uh, um, this was definitely a frustrating table to play, but I actually enjoyed this one the most, primarily because of the fact that I really love the theme the, the theme behind this. It, it was very unique. I can't think of another single game, pinball or video game, where it's like it actually uh, uh, we're like trying to have a band try to like you know progress through you know progress through the ranks basically just kind of you're, you're, you're trying to make it big because like there's a whole part of this big part of this table is like trying to progress to become like you know like going you know, go on tour and be able to sign records and have your records go gold and being able to get like a Hollywood deal and whatnot but so uh, very unique theming which really kept me like interested like interested in playing this. Uh, the table design was fine. It wasn't as, it, it wasn't as good as some other tables, but it wasn't as bad as like you know the steel wheel. I thought uh, it, some of the shots were, some of the shots were definitely not as difficult to make. Um, the challenge for the challenge overall of this table I bought was pretty tough though. I think this is probably one of the I don't know I don't know I, I don't know if I found it found it the hardest table to play. It definitely it, it, it definitely 
So we definitely, they definitely had some uh, challenge. The challenge for me in this table, though, I think was more, uh, um, I think it was more because of the, um, well, it wasn't because of how the tables laid out, let's put it that way. Where it's like, you know, steel wheel, uh, frustrated, 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 like how things were positioned. I think the challenge of this one, they, 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 and this one was trying to make a skill shots, trying to get your ball to set up your dragon bonuses that you need to progress by this one. Mm-hmm. Um, my, my, uh, my favorite music piece, uh, the four pieces too. Um, as well for this one personally, so I, I so so I, I so for me, I, I definitely had some fun with this one. I did, uh, um, you know, this is my favorite table uh, out of four of them. Beat you even though they even do recognize it wasn't it wasn't the most like well designed. Um, just like I thought it was a very like you know, like unique, funny theme. It's a shame the Game Boy and Game Gear version I didn't get it. So um, I didn't really like it. Oh, why not? It just I don't know. It just didn't. Grab me. Mm, I can see that. Yeah. I don't know. I kind of got bored with this one. <laughs> Honestly. Uh, um. So Nick, you've heard two very different opinions of this table. Which way do you like lean more toward? I'm kind of in the middle, actually. Um, Is it? Are you going to be a <laughs> tilt? Is it going to be a full tilt or? Uh... Just a careful nudge. Um. So. <laughs> They, that's how we should rate these tables. <laughs> Is it a tilt or just just a nug? Um, so, Beatbox, uh, this one compares <laughs> unfavorably, I guess, to a game called High Score Pool. Uh, that's, that's another one I sent you an image for. Uh, the problem with that game is that there's this uh, kind of play field overlay that's on top of it that actually hides the ball most of the time while you're playing. Um... And this game is very reminiscent of that, or a game like Whitewater, uh, which was a 90s machine. Um, It came out after this game was made, but uh, in that game there's just ramps on ramps on ramps. And uh, this game has this huge ramp stack that is, uh, it takes up (laughs) like the upper um, half of the game. I would say, uh, and real, sounds like a real rampage. It, it is a rampage, <laughs> and it hides the ball uh, in such a way that you, you know, it makes it very difficult, especially from the plunge. Um, the only time that you hit the pops is from the plunge, basically. Uh, there is an orbit shot that brings you back to the to the pops, but there's really no purpose in it um, because the uh, skill or the the multiplier advance is actually up the ramps. Um, so, this one uh, I have a hard time with because High Score Pool uh, is one of those games where it's like, it's, it's fun, it's pinball, but it, it's almost impossible to play because you can't see the thing. <laughs> so, right. um, so, this game also suffers from uh, a uh, reliance too much on one flipper, and that's the right-hand flipper. Uh, pretty much yeah. every shot that you need to make is from the right-hand flipper, and uh, there's one shot that you need to make from the left-hand flipper, and that's okay uh, if you're able to make some of the shots, at least, with the left-hand flipper, too, but you can't. Um, you, you pretty much have to get the ball over to the right in order to progress in this machine. Um, so, I mentioned uh, about the bonus multipliers. To do that, you hit the left ramp, and there are multiple paths that the ball can take when it's up in that ramp. Um, one comes down and feeds the left-hand flipper. Um, one comes down and uh, goes through 
lanes that are lit. And a feature of Williams games uh, from the early 80s on was the ability to do lane change. That's what they called it, where it would change the lit lanes. So if you uh, were spelling like on ignition warp and you go through and light the W, you can actually move which one is lit for the next time the ball comes through. And that way you can light A instead of um, having it not light anything because uh, the ball had already traveled through, if that makes sense. Um, so this is the same way. You can move the, uh, the lit uh, lane, and uh, when you complete them, you advance your bonus multiplier. Um, to get uh, the tours started, or to uh, get through um, to light records or, or video deals or any of that, um, you have to complete shots around the playfield, and the shots that you have to complete are basically ramps. So there's uh, there's a ramp that you can hit uh, on the far left, and that's the one that feeds everything. There's a shorter ramp on the left, and uh, I believe there's a third entrance on the right-hand side, um, but I don't recall off the top of my head. Um, hitting each of those three times will light one of those uh, modes is what we'd call them in a modern machine. So lighting your um, single or lighting your video, those kind of things. And then you collect them from a scoop that's on the right. Um, but <laughs> again, you, you pretty much hit everything from the right flipper except that one ramp, I believe. And um, to start tours, you have to hit these stand-up targets. And one of them says the word Europe, and the other one says the word USA, or the abbreviation USA. And you hit them over and over again, and they say, Europe, Europe, Europe. <laughs> and then finally, um, when you go up a ramp, it'll start the tour, and it'll say, European tour, or uh, USA tour. And um, that's pretty neat. I don't know what that does for you, but that that's what happens. And um, that's about all I know on that one. I, I thought it was easier than ignition, and easier than steel wheels, but almost everything is. Um, <laughs> and uh, but I, I wasn't thrilled with the design. Um, I, I felt like mm. they could have uh, moved some of the, the ramp stack around to make it so that the ball was more visible, and uh, that would have helped. Yeah, I think all the ramps in all four of these tables were pretty difficult to hit. Mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, I, I mean, it, I mean, like ramps. Ramps aren't easy to hit. It's not a real pinball game either, but I think they're more difficult to hit, like in this version of the game. Uh, like for if you were one or another. Yep. But they, um, so the last table, Nightmare, um, they actually made some changes, some changes like this table, like the Super NES version. Um, they get, uh, 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 made the censorship that Nintendo, uh, had in place for many of their games this time period. The original Mika version of the game, um, had red blood under the top bumper, uh, Ooh. Oh, like in this game. And it also That's had a no-no. Yep. Um, so, um, so that was changed to blue. Uh, it this version of the table, and there was also crosses in the original version of the game that was, uh, you have taken out. So, slight, so slight modders, so slight centering of the graphics here like this table. Um, I found this game to be the most difficult, the most frustrating, <laughs> and the least fun, but least fun, like, and least fun like me to play. Really, the um, most frustrating. Yeah, because huh. we, because it was the most difficult for me. I, I, I had a very hard time making shots. Um, 
I felt like and this was the most bland table. Yeah, the theme wasn't very inspiring either because yeah. you know, I, uh, because because in theory, in theory, in theory, this is a great idea for a theme. I mean, haunted right. house is one of my favorite pinball tables, and it uses kind of the, the whole, the whole like you know, dark, spooky, uh, you know, curse thing. I, I don't remember when haunted house came out. Nick, do you remember when that pinball table came out? Early eighties. Um, Early eighties, yeah. So they may have been going for haunted house uh, inspired table here. This one, but I, but it, but just felt short in so many levels. I thought. Mm-hmm. Um, it, it should have been uh, the design should have been a hit. It just didn't. I um, just didn't work for numerous reasons. Like I said, I think um, uh, the bumpers, the targets were positioned badly. Um, <laughs> yeah, it just uh, overall, it right. just wasn't designed well. Yeah, yeah, I mean, yeah, just like you know, not the not the worst design table. I thought steel wheel was probably designed a little bit worse than this one was, but just like the overall frustration difficulty on this one, I definitely had the um, I definitely had the least. Uh, my highest score of this table is definitely the lowest side of the four tables. Right. I hate her. <laughs> That's why I think of it. <laughs> it's not, not so great. Uh, um, Nick, uh, do you agree with us, or do you hold this table with a little bit more like higher regard than we do? Not at, I completely agree with you. <laughs> <laughs> he probably only has two lines of I notes. I do. No, I have uh, I have two notebooks of notes um, for this one. Oh, okay, great. Can't wait. <laughs> Buckle in. Um, all right. This is why they call it uh, Pinball Dreams because I'm gonna dream about not this game. <laughs> dream about ignition because that's a better game. Um, yeah. Right. Uh, so graveyard. There's again multiple cribbed elements from other games. The first thing is the shooter lane. I don't know if you guys noticed this, but from the plunge, it doesn't go all the way up to the top of the play field. It just comes out yep. about a third right. of the way down, which uh, oh yeah has happened numerous times on games. You know, modern examples would be uh, I think South Park and uh, Simpsons Pinball Party. Um, oh yeah, okay. Both yep. of those okay. Have, have feeds yeah. like that. But the thing is that they don't have a target bank. Uh, that the ball smacks into that's right above the drain. Um, <laughs> so uh, I feel like that is not uh, great design because, again, you can't see the entire play field. Um, so if you plunge your hardest just to see where the ball goes first, it goes straight down the drain, <laughs> um, which is pretty yep. terrible. So you really have to have a light touch on the plunge. Uh, there's no plunger skill shot. Uh, that means that, you know, from the shooter lane, there's nothing you're trying to hit. Uh, you're just trying to survive long enough to get to the flipper and then hopefully get somewhere good. Um, you you might uh, be able to call this a survival horror. Almost. almost. <laughs> it's definitely a horror game. Um, <laughs> oh, yeah, it's very horrific. <laughs> so the, the bank of targets that's opposite the shooter lane that, that you slam into that I was just talking about um, is taken almost straight from Terminator 2, which is interesting uh, for the time that this game was made. Of course, it was made a few years before that. Uh, There's probably other examples before that, but I can't think of them off the top of my head. Um, That one, uh, the ball feeds to a cannon, and you have to pick where the ball is going to hit by pulling a trigger. In this game, you have no such luxury, and none of the uh, inserts are lit, so really just slamming into that thing and draining, like I said. Uh, Directly to the right of that, uh, are three stand-up targets. Again, in the same orientation and position as on Ignition. So, uh, again, that came from high speed. 
And then there are multiple scoops, uh, both on the left-hand side. And the ramps on this game, I thought, were the hardest to hit out of any of the games. Um, I don't know if you guys felt the same way, uh, but I, I thought they were harder even than steel wheels. <laughs> um, They're pretty hard to hit. Yeah, they are. Um, so, I'm not mm. sure about harder than the other one, but they're... Yeah, but they're, no, I, I, I don't feel there. like it is harder. Um, I, I just had a real hard time with it. And uh, that said, this game, the overall goal is to try to get the clock to midnight. And uh, you do that by hitting the top left scoop. Uh, but it has to be lit for it. Now, thankfully, the insert that lights is down near the flipper, so you can see when it's lit. And you can hold the ball for a minute and then aim your shot, hopefully, and get up there. But um, the thing about this game graphically, which is interesting, is that the color palette is basically gray. Um, the, the whole thing is gray. And... Uh, it's like a lot of modern games. <laughs> it's, yeah, exactly. Uh, <laughs> Might be some browns in there too. <laughs> I think there's there's one little green bush uh, that's by the house that they drew down by the flippers. <laughs> oh, okay, that's yeah. good. There's some yeah, color they, in it. Just that little bit. And um, yeah, they tried two, two colors. That's good. Gray and green. Yeah. Um, so uh, yeah, it's just uh, it's very bland, and um, the inserts are these huge rectangles. And then on games with inserts like that, normally the whole rectangle is illuminated when the bulb underneath is lit. Well, in this game, you can see the actual bulb <laughs> circle underneath the insert, which I thought was very strange because the other machines in this game didn't have that problem. Um, so again, right. it, it kind of felt like an afterthought uh, graphically. Um, so I'd be curious to know if they like ran out of time completely on, on the graphics front. Um, on this game um, or budget or what I don't know uh, but advancing the clock uh, each time that you hit that scoop when it's lit it'll advance an hour and it says you're closer to midnight I have no idea what happens at midnight but I hope something good because it's very hard to do <laughs> uh, don't 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 feed them at midnight and uh, you'll be alright And uh, this is just your alarm telling you don't feed I, you know I guess that's it because uh <laughs> the ball definitely doesn't feed well to the flippers, uh, that's for sure. Um, <laughs> right. <laughs> so, uh, on the right-hand side, there's an orbit shot, and that's kind of cool because it goes up through the top left scoop. So, if you shoot that shot with enough force, it'll come all the way around and uh, go back through the scoop back to the left flipper, which is cool. Um, I like when uh, tables yeah, do that. Uh, in a real machine, of course, that wouldn't be possible because a scoop uh, goes underneath the, you know, the uh, play field. And, uh, right. So that's kind of neat, a trick that only uh, a virtual game could play. And uh, it's it's unexpected and cool in a way that's uh, neat, uh, unlike in Beatbox where it's unexpected where the ball's going to come out because you can't see it. Um, right. And uh, there are rollover lanes at the top, so if you kind of weakly hit that shot, that orbit shot, it'll go through the lanes at the top, and there's three pop bumpers and you can kind of bounce it back up through the lanes, hopefully, and when you get them all lit, you advance your bonus multiplier. And uh, there are two inserts that are labeled lock. Uh, that makes me wonder if this is the only machine with multi-ball. Um, I was never able to get them to light. <laughs> and uh, in order to... Maybe they left maybe. it out. Maybe. I mean, that's quite possible, because I, I played this game 
a lot and um, trying. It feels a little unfinished to, to you. Trying to get him to light, yeah. And I could not figure out yeah. for the life of me how to do it. I hit the ramp shots over and over. I hit the stand ups over and over. <coughs> so. Uh, something does it, maybe, or maybe not. But uh, the way that they're arranged, it looks like you lock a ball in the upper left scoop and then the lower left scoop, and then you have multi-ball when you plunge the third one. Um, that would be cool. But uh, this game is missing that feature, or uh, it's really, really hard to get. Um, so it's one of the two. Yeah, I'm not sure which. Yeah. But, um, yeah, the, the nice thing about those Terminator 2 targets I was talking about is that you can kind of sweep them. That's when you kind of hit them all at once uh, going up or coming down uh, from that pop area so if the pop bumper in the upper left kind of knocks it over to the left it feeds smoothly through that and then back to the right flipper which is nice if only it did that from the plunge um, <laughs> then it wouldn't be a problem but uh, I guess the ball comes out with enough force you know uh, that it, it just slams straight down loses all momentum and just boom drops um, yep. So anyway, uh, other than that, uh, I, I thought that this game, it was probably my, my third favorite. <laughs> um, you know, it was, it was near <laughs> really? the bottom. Yeah. I'd say Steel Wheels was probably my least favorite. <clears throat> and uh, okay. Beatbox might be, might be above this. Maybe they're tied. I don't know. Right. <laughs> um, again, I'd say Ignition is, is the best of the package, at least from from a true pinball perspective. Uh, I don't know how you right. guys feel. No, I, I, I think that's about right. Yeah, as far as design goes, I certainly agree that Ignition is certainly the most like, well-designed. Um, you know, I, I didn't have the most fun with that one for, like, for numerous reasons, but you know, as far as design goes, it definitely does feel the most like a mm-hmm. pinball cable. Um... I guess the last thing I was going to ask you about Nick, we've touched uh, Nick's already tables go, because uh, we've touched, uh, touched on this briefly, and I'm curious to hear if you came to the same conclusion, like, like conclusion I did. Uh, the ball physics, uh, as I said, I think for the time this game came out, the pinball physics that the, 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 uh, the mathematical math, math model they used was mm-hmm. pretty good. Um, of course, of course. Now, 25 years later, like it was dated. Uh, they're not quite as good. But I thought the I thought the physics varied a bit from table to table. Also, which was strange. Uh, I'm not sure if you got the same. I, I felt like they were relatively consistent. You know, some of that has to do with layout. I think. Um, like for example, on graveyard here with with the plunge. If you're pulling that plunger back real far, then uh, it's going to slam right into those targets. Like I said. Um, but if you if you launch it yeah. with a soft touch, um, it, it behaves like you would expect, um, which I think is pretty good, actually. <coughs> yeah, the ball definitely seems to be a lot more uh, floaty, uh, uh, like these tables, uh, like tables than it would be an actual like you know, like uh, I, I think table. That's just because uh, there's no, like I was saying, no rendering of the shadow of the ball, so you really don't know the direction yeah. that it's moving, and, and since it's a flat sprite. But the advantage that that has is that they used a pretty large sprite, you know, compared to a game like they Nintendo's did, yeah. Pinball, you yeah. know, or, or something like that uh, <laughs> from many years prior. Uh, but uh, yeah, yeah. Well, there's no, well, there's no fiction. Uh, I'm sorry, fiction. Yeah, I'll be okay. Friction uh, in this version, like this version of the game, either because like an actual Chevy 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 physical table would have the, but they 
like had the exact playing field uh, pulling in the ball and slowing it down right. too. But I'd say um, all of these tables were pretty fictional. <laughs> well, yes, they are. Well, yes. I mean, I mean, I didn't know they were inspired by. Uh, yeah. I, I didn't know they were inspired by you know, physical elements from actual tables, so I thank Nick for uh, you for bringing that to my attention. But yeah, that's pretty um, interesting. Yeah, yeah, it's pretty, yeah, it's pretty cool. Yeah, that, uh, so, that center um, ramp from Steel Wheels is pulled almost uh, directly from Police Force, for example. But in that game, it's a plastic ramp instead of a metal one. Um, ah, uh, yeah, that mm-hmm. makes a big difference too. Yeah. So, um. So we talked about ports earlier, and uh, and uh, and this is pretty interesting because this game's gotten this game's gotten ported to a lot more stuff than I realized, um, including for some like modern systems, which is kind of surprising to me. But uh, um, uh, like I said, this company handled the Game Boy, Game Gear, and the, and the Super NES versions of the game. There was also there was also ports of the Amiga game that came out on the uh, like on the like on the DOS PC and also the Atari foot. And also the Atari Falcon uh, computers. Um, George, you love to. So, so you love when games come up. Uh, when games come up like in obscure and unknown systems. Um, there was a version of this game that came out for the GP32. I don't know what that is. It's a very. It's, uh, there was a very uh, unknown, relatively, relatively unheard of handheld that came out in 2002 from. Uh, 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 like from Asia, that tried to that was one of the first uh, uh, kind of all-in-one systems, systems that allowed you to duplicate. Um, you know, it also had some like you know like functionality programs, like you know like uh, oh okay uh, yeah uh, uh, play flip the header on the MP3 player uh, building to it, for example. But right. um, it's other stuff. Yeah, so um, GP32 is. Kind of popular with homebrew. Uh, the GT, um, it's kind of popular with like you know um, video game fans nowadays who like to do um, hacking that kind of stuff because it kind of leads to, uh, 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 because the architecture lends itself lends itself well to being able to uh, to do emulation on it. But um, yeah, it was a pretty unknown system, which is why you never heard of it. This is very interesting. Yeah, I'm gonna have to really look into this. So. Um, so more modern versions of this game are sh- uh, uh, um, 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 shown up on the like on the iPhone. Um, um, it came out in 2009. I um, uh, 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 renamed Pinball Dreaming Pinball Dreams. Uh, it's also available. Uh, it's also available on the PSN, the PlayStation Network. Um, really? Yep. That's uh, so weird. I don't know. Um, I, I don't know if it's still on there. This is back in 2009. That this came out, but but it was available on the PSN like a while at least. I don't see a reason to remove it, but they also they uh, uh, they also came out later on in 2011 with an enhanced like an enhanced HD version of the game. Why? <laughs> Back to the iPhone. Why? Um, Why? So so the iPhone got like an enhanced HD version of the game, and also came out uh, like also got ported to the Mass. I'm uh, sorry, like to the Macintosh, uh, like running on OS X. Um, so, uh, yeah, uh, well, because this game is much, le- well, but because that, believe it or not, this game is very beloved, uh, uh, pinball fans, especially at the time, like, like, when it came out. This game that Brit reviews, like, when it came out in the 90s, uh, both the original Amiga and the Super NES version of the game were, like, were much reviewed, like, much loved. Really? Uh, yeah, so, like, you know, um, uh, like, Nintendo Power, 
for example, gave it a three and a half out of five. Um, um, you know, Electronic Gaming Monthly gave it like a 5.8 out of 10, which for them is fair. So because it, uh, 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 I mean, that's a pretty difficult magazine. Um, uh, a Polish, uh, a Polish uh, site in 2011 ranked, uh, ranked the Nika version of this game the fourth best Nika wow. game of all time. Wow, so, that, uh, um, were there not good games for the Amiga? There's some great there games. There were a lot of great games for the Amiga, <laughs> just like a, Yeah, but but you know but yeah, like I said, this game this game this game definitely has strong reception, which is why I think that the uh, 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 I would I think that the I, you know, iOS the OS uh, uh, ten versions came out recently because uh, there are a lot of pinball yeah, there are a lot of pinball pinball fans who really love this game. And I and I can understand why, because if you were um, you know, if you were just getting into, you know, getting into games and pinball and pinball at the time that this came out as a kid, it certainly would have made a very strong impression on you, I think. And just like maybe, um, maybe you might have, might have got you more into pinball. Uh, I, I gotta say, I love so, that Game Boy port. Um, I brought that everywhere. <laughs> yeah. Um, how do you think of the Super NES tables as uh, the Game Boy counterpart? Do you think they played? Well, you know, I haven't played the Game Boy version for many years. Um, I don't. Do you still have it? I sold it a Um, a while ago, um, along with all my original Game Boy stuff, which I only regret every day. But, uh, (laughs) um, but, yeah, I spent a lot of time with it, and I have really fond memories of it, except for I remember some of the kind of wonky design elements on uh, Graveyard. Yeah, they had to simplify, yeah, they had to simplify the graphics quite a bit in the Game Boy version of the game because of the, uh, the, the monochrome But I thought it was it was pretty cons. darn playable. So, like uh, when I was when I was younger, I, yeah. I mean I thought it was it was great. Um, so I could see why it's it's beloved. I mean that said, if I had had the experience with the Amiga version uh, or the Super Nintendo version, you know, perhaps that would have changed my opinion of the Game Boy one. But uh, mm. uh, you know, I have, I have sure. rose-colored glasses for that one. Uh, so. Yeah. Well, like I said, I tried the Game Boy and Game Gear versions of the game briefly, and yeah, for handheld version of the game, they, mm-hmm. they they did a great job pulling it over. I thought. I mean, it plays very well. It definitely, um, it definitely, yeah, but definitely plays the strength of systems. Uh, being able to pull off pretty good mm-hmm. pinball playing on handheld. I mean, the Game Boy had some other good pinball games mm-hmm. on there too, I think. Uh, but I remember playing the Adventure of the Gator a lot as a kid. That was a lot of fun. I certainly, um, uh, I certainly enjoyed, the, enjoyed that one quite a lot. Did you ever? I haven't. I've heard a lot back? about it. Um, I, I need to try it one day. Uh, yeah. Maybe I'll get into, into Game Boy yeah. again. But, um, the, uh, I think it's on the 3DS right. eShop, isn't it? Uh, there, uh okay. I, I think it is, yes. Really? It, Check yeah. It out. Uh, there, there was also, uh, I forgot to mention, there was also Game Boy Advance really? games as well that, that did, yeah, uh, the main advantage, the main advantage, uh, that, that's basically the Game Boy version, Nick, except that they also added the feature, the feature that version of the game, really? to zoom out. So you actually could see oh, the game. Yeah. So, um, so, And uh, it's coming to PS4 and Xbox <laughs> One. <laughs> I'm just waiting for you to bring that up. No, not this game at least. <laughs> it was but, on the uh, N-Gage and... No. <laughs> uh, but like I said, this game, this game, this game did come... But like I said, this game was popular enough to uh, yeah. popular enough to give out a franchise. There were a bunch of like... Uh, there were a bunch of like uh, pinball 
uh, uh, X games came out for it. There were not one, but two sequels, believe it or not. Uh, direct sequels to this game. Uh, we already mentioned Pinball Dreams 2, uh, which came out with PC only. That was not developed by DICE. That was actually developed by Spidersoft, the same company that handled the, uh, the Super NES version, version of the game. Um, and, um, and then I'm, and it also has four tables on it. Uh, Neptune, which is an underwater-themed theme table. Safari, which is an African safari theme. Revenge of the Robot Warriors, which is like a berserk kind of like uh, themed uh, table. And um, Install Turn, which is actually themed to uh, the aerobatics, believe it or not. So, um, so that was so that was PC only. Probably harder to probably harder to track down these days, but probably you uh, especially that version of the game like plays fine, like it uh, plays fine in DOSBox. But um, the more the more popular and famous true sequel of this game was Pinball Fantasies, uh, uh, which was developed by Dice and came up with the Amiga just a few months later. Like uh, uh, if you have this game, but you know, late nineteen ninety two, um, which also had four tables to it. Um, the four tables of that one were Party Land, which is kind of amusement park theme, Speed Devils, which is a car racing theme, Billion Dollar Game Show, which is a game show uh, 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 style theme, and Stones and Bones, which is a haunted house theme. Um, and that game also got ported to a bunch of systems, including the Super NES. So, maybe if Nick's willing, we'll have him back in the future to. Just like uh, like you cover the, I'd, I'd love cover to, if you'll have me. If you don't mind sitting but. through 700 pages of notes. <laughs> <laughs> well, one huge thing I find interesting, uh, 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 one huge plus I can see right away with Pinball Fantasies, it, it, Pinball Fantasies, Pinball Fantasies allows you to play, allows you, allows you to have, allows wow, you have really? the players play. Really? Yeah. yeah. Huh. So... Um, Pinball, Pinball Fantasies also came out with Jaguar. That's probably the platform, the, 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 the platform, the, the platform, the platform, the most famous for, because the Jaguar was starved for, like, good games. Oh, yeah, so, one, and, of the, one of but, the best consoles on the market. <laughs> uh, so this game got, got rated very highly on the Jaguar, I think. I think, but, yeah, I think like that reason. Um, later sequels, you also had, uh, you also had, you also had Pinball Mania, which came out with the PC, uh, um, 1995, uh, again developed by Spidersoft. Like I said, Spidersoft probably went almost harder than like pinball games at this point. Um, that also came out for the Game Boy, curiously enough. Uh, there was also there was also uh, Pinball Illusions, which came out in 1985, uh, also developed by Dice. Um, again, pretty much like more of the same. Later games in the series you also had uh, uh, later games in the series you, the series included Absolute Pinball in 1996 for DOS, um, Pinball Builder, which was hard to uh, which was a which was a Russian kit, kit, kit uh, for Windows 1996, uh, and they finally had Total Pinball 3D, which came out with DOS systems, DOS systems, DOS systems, set back in 1996. So a whole bunch of pinball games came out, uh, spurred by the success, like their original game. Curiously enough, curiously enough, they kept, curiously enough, like I said, they kind of went in two tracks: one track of games developed by Spiderslot, one track of games came out developed by Dice. So interesting. Um, as far as as far as hidden features and whatnot, there's not very much. Um, it's like the, uh, 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 really the only secret thing in this game, uh, uh, like uh, like it's a way to be able to unlock the credits of the game, uh, like you want to. So oh, that's, um, fav- that's my favorite feature. <laughs> um, so uh, yeah, so that's pretty much that's pretty much it. Um, 
This game got a battery to save high scores. I'm trying to remember uh, the Game Boy not. version didn't, uh, or, uh, or else my version had a dead right. battery. <laughs> I don't. Well, I don't. Well, I don't. Yeah, yeah. I don't think this version had it either, which which kind of sucks because like you know half the fun, you have the fun. You yeah, kind of playing pinball. I think you're trying to get the high score. You know, trying to like your initials, your yeah, initials on the it, table. It, it does you record your initials, but then so. if you leave the table and come back to it, I don't think it retains even in the same session. Uh, so what's so the either. point? Yeah, so. Kind of what's feel the, the point, same though? way. Yeah, exactly. Like, yeah, uh, so. it just takes extra time, yeah. and the controls for putting in your initials are actually kind of wonky too. Yeah, yeah. not so great. So, yeah. <laughs> I'm, I'm glad to hear that wasn't just me. <laughs> so. <laughs> No, <laughs> that's why a lot of yeah, uh, people on the table were ah. I <laughs> <laughs> oh, see so you're still in my just, name. Uh, you know, trying to <laughs> spread the the wealth here of A A A everywhere I go. So, despite the fact, so despite the fact, this game was pretty popular when it came out, and on the magic had a pretty good print run. Um, it's not very commonly available. It's pretty cheap, uh, like an eBay. Um, there's, um, uh, I only found 25 copies of this game for sale, with seven copies of the game I recently sold. So, uh, it's there, it's just not very common compared to being a Super NES game. And prices, the prices of this game were among the cheapest that we've looked at so far on this podcast. Uh, you can pick up a card-only, a card-only version of this game, uh, any price of shipping for anywhere from like four ten dollars. And CIB copies range from like twelve from twelve twenty six dollars, so, so not very expensive to pick up. No, thank you. But well, for four bucks, I, uh, you know, for a box, I, I think it's worthwhile. But uh, we need our closing thoughts here now. I think being a good segue. I wasn't um, too into it. Well, um, it was kind well, of disappointing, to be honest. <laughs> is this? Um, I, I, I was gonna say. Say it's disappointing now because I think you're used to more modern pinball games. But but try to put yourself in the mindset of somebody, of somebody as a kid playing this, playing you know, playing in the '90s like the first came out. Um, when it came out, I think this game was like very good. I guess I understand why, but the to get the high marks, the high marks, high reviews that I did because I think compared to other video game pinballs, pinball games that are at the time, uh, I think this game really, really, like, really exceeded them on many levels. For like the better physics. Uh, good graphics and good music. Um, you know, four tables as opposed to just full time like when you think about games that you know, only have two, like two or three tables to pick from. Um, I definitely can understand why the game is so popular. Um, I, I think if I played it back then, uh, I certainly would have certainly have loved it. I mean, like I said, um, you know, like you know, but like they said, he has a lot of nostalgia for the Game Boy version of the game, which is also very good. You know, very good, very good for the original, for the original Amiga game. Um, now I understand the frustrations with the game. I, I certainly see its shortcomings and flaws. Because I think a lot of better pinball games have come out since then, like you know, FX, um, you know, FX2. Uh, 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 you know, like all those tables are great, but um, I think it still kind of holds up, holds up somewhat well today. I think I'm kind of on mixed, uh, kind of like a kind of on a, um, uh, 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 a mixed, a mixed conclusion with this game. I think if you're um, I think if you're a pinball fan, it's certainly worth checking out. To be thinking, get some fun, some fun with these tables. Uh, but, but the real, uh, but for major hardcore pinball fan like Nick here, I just don't think this game is really up to the high standards 
that those people uh, like Nick uh, appreciate appreciate book for it. You know, um, I'm like putting words put away here. That's 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 just fine. Um, yeah, I mean, I, I guess I would add to that that if you're looking for um, something that kind of satisfies that itch that's a little more accessible, even though this has been ported to everything but your toaster, which I had no idea. Um, it is. Um, so it's on my refrigerator? As long as it's web-enabled. So, you know. Okay. Um, All right, cool. Yeah. Oh, of course. Yeah. I mean, I'm so, putting that next to um, the... Never mind. But uh, I would say that the Pinball Arcade, uh, as far as, as real machines go, is, is a good alternative uh, these days. Um, in fact, there's a lot of System 11 games that are on there, uh, including uh, well-loved classics these days, like Whirlwind, um, or early WPC games like Funhouse, which um, <clears throat> is uh, has some similarities to some of these games too, because uh, it was right around the same era. Uh, you've got the alphanumeric displays and so forth. Um, that said, you know I I work on a lot of a lot of games, uh, a lot of pinball machines, and System Eleven games uh, are s- some of the ones which have really lost their luster to me. <laughs> Um, in in recent years, just with a lot of problems that I've fixed with System 11 games, I've kind of seen how the sausage was made on those, and uh, it disturbs me a little bit. So um, that said, for anybody who's interested in uh, you know kind of that early solid state to System 11 feel, um, Ignition is certainly worth the price of admission for four bucks. You know, I think that's well worth it. Um, the rest of the you know, machines in there are really hit and miss, uh, and I'd say more miss than hit. And so, you know, as far as the number of tables that are in it, I don't think that's necessarily a good selling point because of the quality of the remaining tables. Um, Beatbox, you know, is 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 an okay number two. Again, it, it does suffer from that single flipper design. So, um, anyway, that's that's kind of what I think. Yeah, so um, uh, yeah, so I definitely, so I definitely appreciate the chance to be able to play this, to play this, um, you know, because I definitely enjoy pinball. Uh, I mean, I've gotten spoiled by a lot of the more modern, uh, like modern, like well-designed, very realistic feeling pinball tables that are out these days. Um, so, so it's going back way back years to look at like you know like an early example of one of the better efforts for, well at least well at least well at least well at least, well, at least, well, at least trying to be more designed. Like I said, you know, the designers try to use. The best mathematical models for physics, for physics and table design that was available to him, mm-hmm. you know, like a time period. Of course, technology's gotten better since then. So it has. Uh, um, yeah. <laughs> really? Tell me um, the ways. <laughs> so I think it's there the limitations that the that the He's that the programmers. <laughs> yes, sorry, George. So I think it's there the so I think it's I think it's there the limitations the limitations that the designers. Uh, worked under. I mean, I mean, like you know, like for the technology of the time and the fact that this was Dice's very first game. That's very too. impressive. Let's not forget that either. This is the very first game that they put out. So, yeah. So it's I like, don't see any guns anywhere. They're in the graveyard. <laughs> Disappointment. Oh, I, that's where they went. And also, uh, um, and also, Steel Wheel does have a gun. Your uh, gun uh, yeah. uh, graphic, yeah. uh, like more part of the table too. Does so, it? Writing shot. Yeah, it does. I so, forgot about that. Um, oh, yeah. that reminds me. In graveyard. Uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Paging Uh-oh. through notes. 
Um, there's a uh, scoop shot that she can hit, and I don't know what lights it, but it starts this animation that's very reminiscent of Funhouse. That the reason I mentioned that game Funhouse is because you're advancing a clock to midnight. And um, anyway, that mm. it all reminds yes. me of yeah. that. Um, so, right. So, so yeah. Um, so, so like final thought. Uh, does this game hope today? Um, eh, if you're a pinball fan, like I said, I certainly think it's worth checking out to have some fun with. Um, from like most people have said, pinball like pinball fantasies was a much better game because of course you know like like many sequels. They, you know, they improved upon what worked, and didn't work, just like the original game, to kind of make it you know, a better effort. So, um, I'm very curious. I'm very curious to check that game out, also. But um, you know, like I said, you know, I would love to have Nick back at some future point to be able to, you know, to cover that game as well. Because, like, you know, I'm kind of, I'm kind of curious, curious, check out, kind of curious to check out, check out, check out, check out, check out, check out pinball games now. And Super NES, curious on platforms didn't have like pinball games there before it. Uh, some, you know, some platforms had a lot of pinball games. The NES and the Game Boy had tons of pinball games that they were available for them for some reason. Uh, PlayStation also, uh, 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 you know, of all the collections that came out for it, also had a lot of pinball games. But Super NES, not, uh, not so much. So, um, uh, so, like, so looking at so, like, like, looking at one of the better efforts that came out of the system. And like I said, the port is, the port is very impressive. Um, uh, the visit is the original like Amiga version, uh, just to the to just the necessary uh, downgrades and graphics and, and sound and whatnot to fit down the development system. So, um, yeah, uh, very impressive effort. Uh, a very impressive, uh, very impressive effort. The effort to go around, uh, even the areas in which they failed, I, uh, failed. I, um, um, mm-hmm. I think you can at least see at least see that designers were trying. You know, the heart was there. The heart was there at least. Or the experience, of the, uh, the experience, and the, and the brain power and, uh, to pull it off. The technology may have been lacking, but at least the desire to make to, to, to the desire to make good, to, to make good tables, uh, but at least by the presence, presence there. So, uh, so, I can, um, so I can get like all kinds of kudos for that. So um, I probably would not be going back to this game, but like I said, I think that I, I think that's a wonderful example. I have a very, have a very good pinball game for the time period it came out, and definitely worth at least checking out. Uh, if not the Super NES version, uh, uh, version this game it, it is, like we said, moderately currently available, like on the iOS and like uh, Mac uh, OS X and PlayStation Network format, so it's very easy to get a hold of. Yeah. <laughs> um, any final thoughts, George? Before we wrap up here. Uh, like I said, it was it was disappointing to me. Um, ignition was probably the best thing there. I think we all agree on that. Uh, it just, a lot of it just didn't feel right to me. And it kind of just like killed my interest in it, to be honest. Like I played through everything, but just, uh, and, uh, and, uh, the, uh, Western one or whatever, the yep. train thingy, Mabobber, what was it? Steel Wheel? Yes. And, uh, that was very frustrating. So that yes, it was. didn't help either. <laughs> yeah. So, I, like I said, like I I wouldn't want to put money on this, even if it was like four bucks. <laughs> uh, well, Nick, you already you already shared your wealth of knowledge and wonderful pinball background, which we already brought you on this podcast, to be honest. But um, 
Um, do you have any like final like final thoughts uh, summary uh, that you want to like? Um, yeah, I uh, mean, like, uh, again, I think if you're a uh, pinball person, this still actually does kind of hold up today for uh, ignition. Uh, there are shortcomings of which I mentioned in great detail, but um, as far as the gameplay goes, that that machine is pretty darn good. Um, I think they they cribbed a good number of elements from real machines for these, and and as you said. Uh, the heart was there. Uh, whether or not the expertise was there or the time to really perfect it is another matter. But um, virtual pinball, you know, from this time period and before, they really uh, had a hard time getting it right. And uh, George, I think your frustrations kind of mirror what I'm saying, which is that because they weren't really well versed in, in the design right. or didn't have the time to to actually get it right it just makes for a frustrating experience um which i think is unfortunate uh because i I think you know with just a little more tweaking on some of those other machines they would be just as good if not better than ignition but um yeah but they unfortunately didn't do that so right um so that's kind of my thought i i think for four bucks if you're a pinball fan and uh, you have a super nintendo i think it's worth it uh just to, to poke around more pinball is always good so that's my opinion <laughs> <laughs> yeah i can second that <laughs> uh, yeah like most definitely so i mean it's I mean, I mean, we were talking before the podcast how difficult it is to find an actual, to, to, to like an actual pinball, physical, physical, physical pinball table these days. Um, you know, even though, you know, so even though they are still being made, uh, locations carrying them is very hard to find like anymore these days. So like, you know, playing pinball in any form is um, definitely appreciated, whether it's like, you know, like virtual, you know, virtual or physical. So, uh, anyway, uh, uh, thank you. So thank you again very much, uh, Nick, for coming to this podcast and gracing us with your very generous and in-depth pinball knowledge. We very much appreciate it because George and I would have, George and I probably have gone through this in like a half an hour like if you weren't present. <laughs> yeah, uh, yeah, just about. So, uh, so, so yeah, and you certainly brought a lot of insights, uh, insights and things like this game that I hadn't thought thank of. Thank you very much so, for having uh, So many thank yous for that. I appreciate it very much. Um. Where can the where can the listeners uh, like find you? Uh, find yourself like online. Well, I uh, am always working on some ridiculously kind of complicated project, and uh, I'm actually heading towards the finish line of one. I'm very excited about. Um, my podcast is called For Amusement Only, uh, the EM and Bingo Pinball Podcast. Yes, it has the longest name in the history of podcasts. And you can find that at foramusementonly.libsyn.com. Uh, I'm on Facebook and Instagram, and you can see uh, things that I'm building or working on. Um, I'm making a game, and last year it had its first public debut. Um, this year I'm bringing it back to the York Pinball Show at the end of September. And uh, I've done a cabinet restore and uh, really spent a lot of time on cosmetics. Um, so I anticipate that it will be well received again this year. Um, and that game is one that I've built, uh, from the ground up and it plays, uh, over a hundred machines and I've manually mapped all the wiring inside. Uh, it's stupidly complex. Uh, that was a really bad summary of it, but, uh, if you check out my Facebook pages or whatever, you'll, you'll see what I'm doing and it's, uh, it's pretty neat, I think, anyway. 
<laughs> that's that's really the important part, isn't it? Uh, as long as you think so. <laughs> um, but thank you for having me on. Right. I really appreciate it. Yeah, sure, definitely. Yeah. Um, so, like, so, like, so you can find uh, uh, find us if you want to talk to us and give us your feedback, comments, suggestions, whatever. Uh, on playing the Facebook, we have a Facebook page on there. Um, recently passed over 900 likes, so many thanks for that. Um, so if you to email me directly, uh, the email address that you can use is the SNES podcast at yahoo.com. Uh, George and I also do together a pod- podcast called PlayStation Power, which, which covers PlayStation 1 and PlayStation 2 games. Uh, that warning is not family friendly, like this show is. Um, you can also find this podcast like on iTunes. We are a proud member of both Throwback Network and Retro Junkies, where you can find a lot of other great um, retro retro theme podcasts, both gaming and non-gaming related. Um, uh, a lot of movies, music, uh, toys, other stuff like that. Also, uh, popular themes, uh, popular themes like on there as well. Um, and George, what other podcasts besides this one in relation to power like you do? I do Master System masterpieces, where uh, we talk about what the Dreamcast Two would be like. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> But uh, seriously, Master System Masterpieces, we cover Master System games uh, for the most part. And it's it's fun. Uh, it's monthly right now. But uh, hey, maybe we can uh, get it out more often. We'll see. But I also do, uh, and nobody should listen to this podcast. I do uh, the box for And like I said, nobody should listen to that. Um, so don't listen. And uh, yeah, that's, that's about what I do. Awesome. Well, all right. Um, uh, so uh, next time, uh, next time the Superman's podcast, we are again continuing our summer, like some of our guests. Um, the next guest that we have lined, uh, uh, the, the next 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 guest that we have like planned, like Superman's podcast, is going to be somebody else also who's done the podcast several times in the past, uh, uh, like Aaron Hickman, who also does a bunch of other like, great podcasts, like uh, podcasts such as like Genesis Gems, um, and he. And we're going to be covering um, a game he suggested that we play, uh, which is called Brain Lord, which is an action so which is an action RPG game that I've not heard of. So I'm very curious to dig into it and see like what it's like, um, because I'm kind of a, a fan of action RPG games. So um, I'm guessing George probably never played this either. I have not. Right. So that should be interesting. Once again, once again, we're diving into a game, diving into a game we never touched. So. <laughs> But this, this, this is one of the good things. It's definitely, this is definitely, definitely one of the good things about this podcast. Um, so anyway, um, thank you, thank you all very much for um, for listening to us um, and for um, uh, like for like giving us giving us like support. Um, Nick, thank you once again for joining us in this podcast. Um, thank you very much for having. It, um, it was definitely great having you on here, and we look to have you back again later on. Okay. Uh, many thanks all, and uh, I will, and I will be talking to you again, guys, soon. So, George and I say thank you very much, and take care. Goodbye. Nintendo controls eighty percent of the video market, but no matter how you play the game or which game you play, things definitely have come a long way since Pac-Man. Now you're playing with power. Deep power.